Free Talk Live. Welcome to the show. The phones are open and you can join us here. The number for you is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We will take your calls about whatever happens to be on your mind. We are expecting to hear from a special guest caller here in a little bit. Jeremy Kaufman is, uh, of course, the co-founder of Library, which is uh, an amazing technology that the federal government would like to completely shut down. And we spoke with them last week after a pretty important court decision that they had. And unfortunately, we just didn't have enough time uh, to talk to him because he had to go after about a half an hour. So he's he's going to talk to us for uh, for longer tonight. There was another court hearing today that was closed to the public so i'm sure he'll be able to fill us in on what's going on uh there but he's i guess he's on uh, some sort of a uh, work trip down to new york city and is currently in the midst of shifting from subways to cars or something like that so he said he'll be calling us here in a little bit here in the studio tonight it's ian and bonnie and aria is uh is out with what appears to be the flu so we wish her the best and we'll hope to see her back here in a little bit the phones are open, as always. The number is 603-283-6160. You got some pretty crazy uh, AI-related news to talk about here tonight. But first, we're going to start with Ricky in the Commonwealth, the PA. Ricky, you're on Free Talk Live. Thank you there, Brother Ian. Good evening there, Sister Bonnie. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, something I think you'll find very interesting. My predictions for 2024. Oh, okay. Um, isn't it a little early for 2024? I mean, it's just starting into Not 2023. Not time, and that's what's very sad, Brother Ian. What do you mean? And these are facts. No opinions here, no partisan crap. I know I'm a liberal, but it's not here. Anyway, here's what it comes down to. We'll start with the House of Representatives. Oh, you're talking about politics. Okay. I, I thought you yeah. meant, like, meaningful stuff, like, you know, like an earthquake or, you know, some sort of comet's oh, going to crash. we that in Turkey and Iran. <laughs> you know, we lost thousands of people. So. Well, I mean, yeah, there's earthquakes that happen all the time all around the planet. But, yeah, there was a pretty big one, I guess, recently in, in Turkey, apparently. Wow, I didn't even hear about it. But, no, you're going to be talking about... Um, uh, you know, politics. Okay. Try to keep right. us interesting. First of all, the house, I'm going to talk about the house and then I'm going to talk about the presidency for 2024. The house is real simple. The federal government's house of representatives. Yes. Yes. The U S house. Okay. Now, in, Go the ahead. Case of, in the case of the house of representatives, that's very easy. Uh, the Democrats are going to get a majority in 2024. And here's my reasons why. Very simple. Uh, in the case of this, uh, very poor showing, number one, in the midterms. Uh, these guys haven't learned anything. Who had, a, who had that, a poor show, showing? You're saying the Democrats had a poor showing? The Republicans did. The Republicans had a poor okay. showing. Okay. Yeah, they only gained nine seats in the House with a four-seat majority. It was pretty pathetic. And they lost every major race for just about everything else, you know? But I, they don't, honestly, I, don't I honestly don't know either. I don't pay yeah. attention to this crap at all. My dad was like, put uh, in the group chat, he was like, put in your... Bets for who's going to gain the most houses, and I was like, I don't care. Whoever wins, we lose. So it really doesn't matter who "quote unquote" wins well, if I may, in twenty twenty four. Go ahead. Well, if I may, okay. But what it comes down to is the reason why I can make this prediction is everything's already set in stone, pretty much. Reason why is because not only are they not changing things, but not only that, they're doing the same crap. But even more importantly. Uh, the current speaker, uh, McCarthy, 
he basically sold his soul bargaining for votes, which he did. So he basically already they didn't have a soul up. going into it, Ricky. These are psychopaths. Uh, no, he didn't. They're You're, politicians. Yeah, he's, they, he's, a sp- he's a spineless jackass. All of them are the same. And I don't know how it is people haven't yet figured this out after decades and decades of them not doing anything different. You said they're not doing anything different. Well, that's yeah, what they do. Isn't that the definition of a conservative anyway? Like, they they don't want anything to change. We can't have anything change. We have to conserve this crappy crap hole. Technically, well, yes. All right, get, get to your presidential prediction because we got to move on. Okay, that's well, screw dull. the House. They're going to lose anyways. Now, the presidential uh, predictions are most fascinating. Okay. Now, let me guess. You're going to predict the Democrat will win. We don't uh, even know who's going to win yet. I have a reason why. Okay, why? I have a reason why I predict that. Uh, now, the current demographic for people running for president, uh, on the Republican side, you have Donald J. Trump. You mean over 78 like, years old, that demographic? Correct. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Then you also have, it looks like, uh, Governor Nikki Haley. And that's important, and I'll tell you why. Wait, wait, wait just to and clarify, is that, who is Nikki Haley, uh, Ricky? Is she a Republican? I believe she, was governor, I believe she was governor of South Carolina. Is she a Democrat or a Republican? Republican. Okay, you're saying you that's think... That's why I'm, she, talking about the, I'm talking about the Republicans right here. You're saying you think she's going to run as a Republican candidate? Absolutely. Okay. And it looks that way. Why should anyone care? 95%. Why should anyone care about this? Why do you care so much about this? Because, Ian, when it comes down to it, you could say you don't care, but ultimately these are the people running the country, so something's going to happen. No, they're not running the country. They're running the government. Well, the government, but the people will either suffer or benefit regardless. They will not benefit. I'm just, I'll just go right out on a limb and say it doesn't matter who it is that wins. Thank you, Ricky, for the call tonight. They'll they, suffer people, because they listen to these people. If they just ignored yeah. them, then they wouldn't suffer or benefit. Well, unfortunately, if you ignore them, they still will try to throw you in a cage. Not if everyone ignored them. Well, but everyone's not going to, right? You can't have any kind of philosophy that requires everyone to do a thing. I, I'm not saying that everyone but, will. I'm just saying that that's why it's happening. Because it's we, true. we it, uh, libertarians like to be like, we're so individualist, and I... I'm I feel like the most individualist personality that I know of in mm-hmm. my personal life other than maybe you in. But libertarians need to realize that just because they are individualists doesn't mean that the majority of how people act doesn't influence them. No doubt. Uh I mean it would help if people didn't see the government as something respectable and people, you know, had a lot of disrespect that they showed towards it, and I, I think it would be great if more people ignored them. Our reality that would definitely is, weaken them significantly. Our reality is just the collective consciousness and how it is in, in any given moment, and that's why I think influencing people is the most important uh, role of any libertarian, not going out there and running for president. Definitely. All right, let's go to somebody out there who is, uh, I, I don't know if he would use the term influencer, but I think he is. I mean, he's definitely got a decent following on the Internet. Jeremy Kaufman is with us here calling us from some subway or taxi or something like that. Uh, where are you at? Uh, you at down in New York City right now? Uh, I am. I am in a proper car, though. So and I'm just here with a friend of mine, so hopefully... The audio will be okay. All right. Well, welcome back. Sounds good. I, I appreciate you uh, coming back on here to talk a little bit further, a little deeper about the situation with library and cryptocurrency and tokens and the SEC going after everybody they can possibly go after, it seems like. We spent most of the time that you were on last week just kind of discussing the evil 
uh, of the SEC, their their tyranny, their oppression against not just library but various other crypto developers. And uh, and so you know we didn't really have that much of a chance to talk about what's happening now. Uh, now that the SEC has sued Library, but you know, let's get uh, real quick the I don't know the, the elevator pitch on what Library is. We've certainly told our listeners countless times over the last several years since uh, we started posting to Library. We've been putting our video archives up there since I don't know 2016, somewhere in there 2017. And uh, but since you're here, I figure you'd do a good job of it. So what is Library? Yeah, you are one of the uh, one of the earliest users, and and I appreciate that. Uh, so library is a, a blockchain-based way of publishing content. We like to say it does to publishing what Bitcoin does to money. Uh, and so the idea is you can own your uh, identity, you can have control over your content, and you can have a direct relationship with the people who are um, interacting with that uh, content. So kind of disintermediating that, that whole thing. So removing mm-hmm. the censorship points and, and all of that. Uh, most people use it through a website uh, uh, called uh, Odyssey. Uh, odyse.com and uh, that's used by more than 10 million people each month wow. uh, uh, to watch videos um, and uh, we've also uh, been embroiled uh, in a lawsuit with the SEC for for five years yeah, yeah. Um, in fact actually we learned today I was worried we might not hit the five-year anniversary because I've been really you know having a nice relationship with these people but <laughs> the judge thankfully today uh, gave the SEC even more time uh, and granted even more discovery requests. Yeah. So I think we're going to make it to the five-year anniversary. Yeah, I April. saw the order uh, that came out today on the PACER system, which is the government's filing system that people can pay to access. Uh, but luckily, it's all, also up on Court Listener thanks to the recap plugin. For anybody that ever goes to PACER, y'all need to install the recap plugin if you haven't yet for your browsers. That way you don't have to keep paying for documents that somebody else has already downloaded. It's a pretty... Pretty sweet system, so definitely check that out. Uh, but I did see the order, and basically the the judge is ordering more discovery and then more time to jump through all these hoops. It's quote-unquote expedited, but according to the numbers that I kind of added up in my head as I was going through the order, it seems like it's going to be at least three more months before any quote-unquote final uh, decision is made in this in this matter. More time and more money. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so the, the expedite, I mean, in the, in the expedited process, uh, in that time period, I've had four children, all with the same person, by the way. So, so that's, <laughs> otherwise, that's not as impressive. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that's how long it takes. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I mean, and this is the real problem with all this. Um, you know, the issue before the court is very narrow. Uh, and the SEC wants the public to believe, uh, and all of their activity and behavior is, anyone who interacts with the library token is a criminal. Um, and the judge clearly doesn't believe it. The judge believes, uh, well, you know, I think he's done some bad things. The judge believes, you know, narrowly that my company violated the law when it sold tokens in certain ways. Uh, but the judge wants Odyssey to live. He wants the token to be unencumbered legally, which is the exact opposite of what the SEC wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, the SEC is trying to create as much uncertainty um, and, and um, uncomfort, lack of comfort as possible. And, you know, the the judge gets it, uh, but he's just gonna he's it's, he's given every indication that he's, he's just gonna let him do it probably. So wait, 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 hold he's on. He's gonna he, let him let him do what? merge Odyssey well, into this. Into, no, well, he uh, no, I don't think the judge is gonna issue an injunction against Odyssey. I think the judge is gonna be very clear that he's only ruling on this specific narrow issue. But that's not the problem. The problem is that right, the SEC is given a signal 
that they don't like us. Mm-hmm. I mean, even you have SEC officials on Twitter talking about how they're going to keep coming after us because mm. we were honest about what they did and shared pictures about what they did. And you have SEC officials saying, oh, we're, we're going to get you harder because you wow. did that. Openly. Wow. I mean, they just say it openly. You're public so, servants. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, you, you know, the problem is that we needed an outcome, and maybe we'll get it. It's, not, it's, it's still up in the air, but we need an outcome that's going to make third parties feel comfortable interacting with the library ecosystem and you know everyone in crypto is so terrified of the government regulars mm-hmm. you know you get a letter from the sec there goes a million dollars i mean it's it's they just that's what they do um uh, we we had to produce over a million pages of material um uh. you know i had to pay people to go through so many things run all these searches we had to print pages we had to print it out a lot of it like we couldn't send them you know they wanted to know um stuff about our website yeah, we were like, it's all available on GitHub, like every change, even mm-hmm. our even our, our, our blog posts are, are checked into source control, which is like the system for, you know, that you can access it, the full history, everything. They said, no, we want every version of your website. So we had to print out every Good distinct Lord. version of the website and mail it to them. Who knows what they did with that? They just wanted to waste our time. Sure. Right? Wow. Yeah, that's what the, you know, it's what they call lawfare, right? Where instead of warfare... They're using the law against you and just jumping you through these ridiculous discovery hoops and interrogatories, and you just have to just do all this stupid crap. If and you just say, no, I'm not going to do this, do you just get contempt. a criminal, oh, I was going to say, do you just get a criminal charge against you or something? That would be civil contempt, uh, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, I almost wish, you know, that's, that's the other part of this, because I'm, uh, I mean, I'm like somewhat skeptical that a jury would have found us guilty of this stuff it was a judge that found us guilty right we mm-hmm. never had we never had a, a a trial with a jury we had a government official rule that other government officials were doing you know we're, we're following the law which yeah. is you know, you know well you may have had better luck than uh than i did with the crypto six case but i was right, i was hoping that the jury would uh would see reason as well unfortunately they completely bought the government's uh allegations which were ridiculous and outrageous but yeah, here we are. Um, so let's see. So I just want to jump back for a moment. The SEC came after Library and alleged that these tokens, the way they were sold, according to the judge, was a security. Now, apparently this definition of security is way more nebulous than my rudimentary understanding of it i mean of you know over the time that this case has been going on we've been talking about it here and every time we always have to well, we got to pull up a definition of security just because you know we're not stock and bond guys on this show this is not a money show so like we got to figure out what what that thing means all over again it always seems to have to do with like owning a piece of something owning like a stock in a company that you know could go up or go down in value but the allegation they made against you in this case that the judge completely bought and agreed with was that somehow library by at some point somewhere someone at library allegedly said something about the library token might go up in value so therefore you guys have to be destroyed is that pretty much what it's happened actually, no it's actually it's actually worse than that um the, so because we did not make very many marketing statements about mm-hmm. library being an investment like the only ones they had were like a couple of chat messages from you know community members who you know not not 
uh, you know, executives, things like that. It, it, so it really wasn't about the marketing statements. And in fact, mm. the judge um, gives a, a couple of sentences in his ruling that are very clear. In fact, he goes so far as to say, even with no marketing statements, libraries' actions would still constitute securities offering. So he said you could throw away all the marketing statements wow. and it would still be a, a security. Like what and kind of actions that, then? So basically the, the logic, of the, and this is all new, by the way, right? The judge is literally, he's inventing law here, right? Hmm. Um, there's no precedent that, that maps onto this. And he, um, you know, he purported to struggle with it before siding with the government 100%. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, but the idea is uh, that if an entity owns enough of an asset, all sales, of, and that asset can go up and down, all sales of that asset are intrinsically securities offerings, regardless of the per- reason for which they were purchased, because someone could have conceivably been purchasing them be- because the number could go up and down. And we signaled to the market by owning 10% of the coin that we cared about it going up and down. So even some, and this is one of the most interesting parts about how this law works. We gave the judge evidence that you know, thousands of people bought small dollar amounts for direct consumptive usage, and mm-hmm. the judge says, well, that's not how the law works. What matters is that an objective, a theoretically objective investor could have conceivably been buying these as an investment. So it's an investment regardless of specific evidence that these people did not buy it as an investment. That's some convoluted logic, but that's the way I Oh, my works. God. Okay, let me see if I understood that. So... They weren't saying that you guys were marketing this as an investment. They were just saying because you guys had what they call in the world of crypto a pre-mine, meaning that when the library blockchain went on uh, went on online, uh, that you guys mined first before anybody else were able to get in, and you got basically, you know, you got a good chunk of library uh, tokens that you kind of socked away, and you were going to use to market the the business and market the, t- the protocol and kind of give them away to people and, and these, these sorts of things and, and sell some of them, right? I mean, that, that was what the point of that was. That, uh, that's completely true. Although in the judge's ruling, it's not clear that they even need to be pre-mined. The huh. logic he appears to have created is if you own enough of an asset, he, of course, there's no numerical threshold, right? Just arbitrary. Not, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so who knows? So we now know based off of this ruling that if you sell it, if you sell you know, we, for example, he found that a sale of $20 to someone on odyssey.com who there's clear evidence, you know, who directly used that in a consumptive way, that that's still a securities offering merely because the parent company of, of Odyssey, which is library, owns 8% of the assets and a theoretical objective investor would know that and, and, be, and could theoretically be buying it because they think it's going to go up. And so all sales, it doesn't matter if you have objective evidence that some sales, even those sales are still securities offered. It's so the only, yeah. So you, we now, uh, now based off of the judge's logic, and this is what we've been pushing for. Well, okay, we'll get rid of all of our tokens. And this is the craziest part is I was in the SEC's office in, in uh, 2018, 2019. I said, I'll change anything. If the pre-mine makes a security, I said, I'll destroy the pre-mine. What I want mm-hmm. is the same status as Bitcoin. That's all I want. Tell if like, you know, just logically, if this other token has this status, there should be a path to achieving it. Uh, they, they weren't interested in that, right? Mm-hmm. They, they say, well, it's a security. There's nothing you can do to change that. Um, now, the judge did appear to disagree with that. The judge appears to think that it's not a security after we destroy the pre-mine. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that's not before the court. So all that's before the court is the SEC saying this specific action is illegal. And the SEC is begging the judge 
not to give any of these other comments on the record. Um, and you know what? The judge is probably not going to do it. So we'll see what comes out. So we're trying to get the judge to do it. Uh, the SEC is trying to get him not to because the judge has given every indication and thinks he said verbally in court that he doesn't think it's a security, um, you know, after the pre-mine isn't there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that only when we sell it's a security. If you sell it, Ian, right. it shouldn't be one. Right. Yeah, he did say that um, clearly at the hearing last week. He said that he intended to um, make clarification on that in whatever the next written order. He's or, not, what he's what he's not going to do is he's not going to say that when you sell it, it's not a security. He's just not going to. What mm-hmm. he's going to say is, to be clear, I'm only ruling that when Library did this, they broke the law, and I'm I not see. ruling anything else. Mm-hmm. Right? Wow. And that's just I'm worried that that's not going to be enough. No, it probably won't. Because like you said, people are deathly afraid, understandably, of this particular uh, gang of thugs. They have destroyed library. Your company is in complete shambles. You said during the hearing uh, last week that no one at library has been paid since early December. People are already, you know, they're leaving. They, you know, they're not getting paychecks. Some people aren't going to stay on, right? Like that's, it's over. And they're they're moving on. They're trying to find other jobs. But yet now they're coming in and saying, okay, well, now that you have no more paid employees and you've already spent all this money trying to comply with our discovery requests, here's some more that we're gonna we're gonna demand of you. So this is basically, are, are you gonna have to fulfill this personally because there's no one left? Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's. Absolutely terrible. This and Ian's case are just huge problems for anybody interested in crypto, and it's going to scare lots of people away from crypto because the government literally is accusing you guys of thought crimes. Like in Ian's case, they said that because he sold cryptocurrency on local bitcoins for higher than you could buy it on Kraken, that just means that Ian was intending to sell it to criminals. That means that there's no possibility that somebody just wanted to buy it for more expensive because they needed their privacy respected. Nope, it doesn't matter. It's just only scammers do that. Oh, and only uh, people respecting privacy. If you're advertising privacy as a service, then you're also trying to do business with criminals. And if library owns any of its own tokens, that just means what the SEC says it means in their own mind. Jeremy, uh, stand by. I know we got here for a little bit longer tonight. Hang on. We're going to continue this discussion here. Here in moments, it's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. It's Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Ian and Bonnie in the studio tonight. We have a special guest on the line, Jeremy Kaufman. 
from Library, the founder or the co-founder of a Library, which is a media sharing protocol that uh, thankfully is likely to continue on into the future, even though the parent company, the Library Corporation, is going to be completely destroyed by the SEC lawsuit. We're going to continue that, but I do want to also uh, let you know we've got an Odyssey channel. Jeremy was talking about Odyssey as the one of the platforms that you can kind of use the library protocol through. I say kind of because, Jeremy, you did say, I think at one point, that due to, you know, some efficiency issues, uh, Odyssey had to, uh, they had to integrate some centralized servers and uh, content delivery networks and that sort of thing. But library is still like in the back end as a backup option. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And that's true of every, quote, decentralized app or DeFi service or any of these things, you know, once you are going through a domain, you know, that's centralized by definition, right? So Odyssey is a, it's an app that runs on top of the library network. The library network has access that backstop where all the content is, where the identities uh, lie. And you can use library desktop, which is a decentralized client. So Mm -hmm. library desktop, it doesn't phone home. It doesn't tell anyone what you're doing. And, you know, you can, now it is, you are in a peer-to-peer network, so, you know, that doesn't mean other peers might be, but it's like, you know, you are not talking to us right. uh, when you're using that that product. Uh, by the way, Odyssey does have a cool thing that you guys introduced a couple months ago, and it is called Memberships. Uh, it allows our viewers on Odyssey to contribute directly to Free Talk Live using dollars, uh, which is another direction that Odyssey went because, like, that's, you know, whether we we all love cryptocurrency here, but not everybody's into it yet. So uh, allowing the creators to take in dollars was probably a smart move. And so that's something we can do now because I can't accept cryptocurrency due to the bail conditions uh, that I'm on. But we can accept dollars. And so if you want to support Free Talk Live without going through our Patreon, because some people don't like Patreon, uh, there's also the chance Patreon can cut us off as well. So you want to we want to kind of decentralize our viewer support and listener support you can go to our odyssey channel just go to video.freetalklive.com it'll take you right there and then just click join at the top and you can choose five bucks a month or if you want to do a little bit more you can do that as well and then odyssey what's i think one of the the cool things about what odyssey is doing here is they actually add their fee on top of the pledged amount so it'll end up being like five dollars and seventy something cents because there's obviously a credit card processing fee and then a small portion goes uh, to Odyssey. So it's a way you can support Free Talk Live. You can support Odyssey. And another way to support Odyssey, because it is, in my opinion, the best video platform out there, the most freedom-oriented video platform. There's so many times where Bonnie's been looking for... A David Icke video. <laughs> some kind of video. and Cannot get it on YouTube. Yeah, it just does not exist out there except for Odyssey. So it really is a place where you can get the stuff that no one else is willing to publish. So kudos to uh, to you guys for that. But what's another way that people can support Odyssey, uh, Jeremy? Because you know, it you guys need some help right now, right? Like this has been a, a tremendously detriment. No, I mean Odyssey. It's uh, library is going to die as far yeah. as a corporation is concerned. But but Odyssey could still survive this. Uh, we know the uh, the SEC is trying to destroy them too. Um, we don't know what the, the how the chips are going to fall on this, but. Uh, meanwhile, people can donate directly to Odyssey, correct? Isn't there a, a premium subscription available there? That's right. So you can also get a membership on Odyssey itself, and that will you know turn off ads and, and give you some additional features and a badge and some other stuff. And it's very helpful to us. Uh, you know, any any membership here is very helpful to us. 
And uh, yeah, as you said, they can uh, they can support you uh, through recurring donations uh, to you. And Odyssey is taking you know less of a cut than than any of those um, uh, other you know other platforms out there. And actually, hopefully, you're know, part of the reason Odyssey you know, Odyssey needed clarity on how it can interact with crypto, right? We didn't want to create. We were trying to have Odyssey be you know very you know, clean so that it's, you know, and, and we can find out what's allowed and Odyssey will have, um, you know, not have that, uh, that original sin uh, mm-hmm. coming from, from library. Uh, let me ask you some more questions about this case. Uh, are you guys planning to appeal? Is that something you can talk about right now? Uh, I think, I think we're probably not going to appeal. There's just no money. Uh, plus right. it's like another, you know, it's another three, three years, mm-hmm. you know, or five years or whatever. So. Yeah, and of course, if you do appeal, then and then you lose, it just sets more uh, a higher level precedent hmm. in that case. So it's not always a it's not always a good thing, you know, to uh, to go in that direction. Uh, of course, the case isn't uh, isn't quite done yet. They're still trying to decide the so called disgorgement, which is just as ugly of an action as the uh, the word sounds. Basically, pulling out any kind of value or any kind of life that may remain in library which as you've pointed out to the court at this point the company is essentially bankrupt there's no more money left uh the you've already agreed to destroy what's called the pre-mine uh and and so that means that library as a token is going to continue the library blockchain is going to continue as long as there are people willing to be miners for the library blockchain out there and there's there's interest in its its use that will continue. So can you t- kind of talk about, I don't know how much you can say, but you know, whatever you're willing to say about this, what does the future of library look like without the company as just sort of this decentralized open source protocol? That's, uh, that's a good question. I, but I think it's, it, it looks pretty good. There's, you know, there's a, a rich community of people that, that care about the project. You know, there's a, there's a discord, they're hanging out, there's people doing, you know, development work, but I, you know, one of the real challenges and it's something that all of crypto is struggling with, although it, it may be worse for us. And it actually ties into the stuff that, that, that you faced is they've just done such a good job walling off the exchange points for cryptocurrency. Like mm-hmm. that's really what they've managed to do. They've realized, hey, you know, we can't actually stop people from transacting. We mm-hmm. can't stop people from moving Bitcoin from one account to another. But what we can do is make it nearly impossible to ever move or exchange that Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency in a way that's not known and tracked by the government. So, you know, if they know, if they have insight into every time, you know, that Bitcoin is, if everyone's cha- you know, ch- changing it through Coinbase and these other services, and I think those services have an important role to play in the ecosystem. Sure. But what we also need is that other part. Uh, and they've done so, so such a good job just making that impossible. I mean, they're, they're, they're currently alleging that if I just give you a dollar for free of the library token that I committed securities from, that's what they're currently saying. Wow. Right. And that's what they want to stop. Yeah. I don't understand why you giving it away didn't completely null and void their whole argument, you know? Uh, so gifts are also sales under the law. So <laughs> oh, there's no difference okay. between a gift and a sale. Yeah. Wow. So insane. So that's part of that's one of the arguments. So the SEC is saying because we gave eight million away, like you know, and that you could download the client, you would get them for free, et cetera. Like we just gave it away. Mm-hmm. 
that we should also be penalized for the eight. They say, I don't actually know the dollar amount we gave away. I didn't track it that closely. So I'm actually yeah. trusting their number when I repeat this, but I'd mm. like to be clear since they listen to me that I'm yeah. not accept- I don't know what the number is. But they say we get, I mean, it's plausible that we gave away that much. I'm not, I'm not saying sure. it is, but the, the, uh, that's what they're saying. And that we also need to be penalized for giving that away. Wow. That, I mean, that really just expresses the, the true madness of this situation because, you know, the whole idea, as I understood it behind a security, is you buy a thing in order to get into this investment in this company or whatever, then the thing could go up or down in value, which means it could lose money. But if you're getting something for free, it doesn't matter if it goes down in value. What a stupid, uh, nutso thing for so them to what do. Is the solu- you know, what is this? No, go ahead, Jeremy. Well, what's the judge today? It's so frustrating because he's like, he's talking to the SEC and he's like, you know, SEC officers. That's uh, like how he said it. But I want to ask you, like, who are you protecting by refusing to give this clarity? Who, I really want to urge you to give clarity to secondary market holders. And I want you to consider whether you're following your mandate to protect investors when you're refusing to give clarity on secondary market sales and asking me to only rule on this narrow issue. So he says that to their face. Mm-hmm. He understands exactly and precisely what they are doing and then doesn't because the sec isn't going to do it the sec is playing a game they know what they're doing they're never ever going to do it voluntarily the only way it can come is through a judge and the judge knows that that's what they're doing and like and but just but feels that he is honor bound Mm. to not uh you know to play so the sec is not playing by the rules he knows the sec is not playing by the rules and then but he feels that he has to play by the rules, even though the SEC isn't. <laughs> like, so we play by the rules. The judge is playing by the rules. The SEC isn't. And he's not, yeah, but that's, that's. And the know, whole time like you've been asking these people, what are the rules? You know, if you just tell us what these stupid rules are, we'll do our best to follow them. But they wouldn't ever tell you what you had to do. Nope, they won't. They still won't. Well, that they lady. Still won't. That lady from the SEC, I don't remember what her name was, she was in an interview and she said she doesn't want to make a roadmap for the legal way to do that because then people will follow that roadmap. You know who I'm right. talking about? They, yes, I know exactly the interview you're talking about. It's the SEC. They say, well, if we, were, if, we were, if we were clear about, she's basically saying if we were clear about the rules, people would be able to follow them is basically what she right. said. Yeah. She's like, if we, if, we were, if we just gave objective rules, then bad actors would be able to follow them and comply with the law. That's what she said. Yeah, and if people are complying with the, the law, then they're a lot harder to sue out of existence, which is what this is really all about. They want to destroy Library. They want to destroy uh, Ripple. They want to destroy – I know they've, been, they've gone after other companies, so I don't offhand know uh, who they are. You guys certainly aren't the first, and you won't be the last of this train of destruction that they're trying to, uh, to wreak against the cryptocurrency industry. Yeah, and you know, look, we kept – uh, we most recently we were keeping Russia Today on when Russia Today went off YouTube and everywhere else. That's right. We've kept COVID critical content online throughout the the worst censorship era that I've experienced in my life. We kept um, you know we keep 3D guns files and all that mm-hmm. stuff online, which is uh, obviously legal, but a lot of people want to pretend it's not. Um, and you know, so all this stuff that regulators hate, right? If you have a regulator mm-hmm. mindset. You hate that we do that, right? Yeah. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that they're coming after us as hard as they are, given we've done things that, you know, pretty, you know, I, almost every government official, uh, you know, because they're, uh, they're all communists now, I uh, think uh, should, shouldn't be allowed. 
Yeah. Oh no, it's definitely not. It's definitely not a coincidence. But the good news is that you know, as we pointed out here, even though they have been able to financially ruin uh, the Library Corporation, they cannot stop the protocol. They, you know, that that signals out there, and it it is it's unstoppable, and that I'm sure that really upsets them. But that's you know, it's the reality of it. I'm curious, have you followed at all um, the process of? decentralizing that shapeshift went through the company that was founded by a free stater named uh, Eric Voorhees years ago. It became this uh, sort of not decentralized initially, but it was this way for people to exchange cryptocurrencies without having an account. And then the feds must have threatened him because uh, he then implemented an account system and they had to go through know your customer procedures and all that. And then a couple years ago, shapeshift announced, all right, well, uh, we're tired of all this you know, being put under pressure by the government. So we're just going to turn this corporation, this centralized corporation, into a decentralized autonomous organization. And I think they were the first company to ever accomplish this, to ever even try and to successfully accomplish this, to where there is no more board of directors, there's no more CEO, there's no more employees, there's just a decentralized autonomous organization in place of what was, you know, an old corporate structure. Have you followed that at all? Yeah, I've, I've followed some of it, although I can't say that I know, like, the fine-grained details of how their DAO works or, or any of that. Um, I mean, I think if anyone can make it work, it's them. Um, I think it's a challenge. A lot of DAOs, I like the idea of DAOs very much. I think a lot of them have struggled. It's difficult, as I guess, I'm going to guess everyone listening to this knows, to get governance right. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. And so when you're creating a DAO, you're saying, I'm going to... I mean, I have a form of governance that's going to work. And like, for, for example, some of them just you know, tried to reinvent democracy and had the same problems of democracy. And yep. they have problems of collusion and clicks and cheating. And, and sure. so, and I'm not, by the way, as far as I can tell, ThorChain and everything they're doing is working. I'm saying, I'm just saying it's a, it's a really hard uh, problem uh, to do this right. And something that both they and, you know, we uh, have to think creatively about is like, you know, even as a DAO, they're going to struggle to get partners and, and, and so on because the system isn't set up to handle it. And, you know, if we want library to succeed, we have, we're going to have to think creatively because how do people get it? You know, if, if how do people, because if someone hears, oh, try library and they type library into Google and they open it up and they just, how do they get some? How does a new person get some? Um, you know, if they're saying we can't sell it and there's all this uncertainty about selling it and third parties don't want to mm-hmm. sell it, you know, how are we, because I've used uh, the state-of-the-art DEXs, you know, it's not a very user-friendly experience. I, I know they're working on it. I, I'm sure it'll get better, but, you know, it's just not. And also, that means the person already has to have, have Bitcoin, which means you're cutting yourself off a huge amount of people. Mm-hmm. Or you've got to say, okay, go sign up at Coinbase, give them your passport, give them every detail of your life, then buy $100 worth of Bitcoin, then download this other piece of software, yeah, put your Bitcoin ridiculous. into that software. You know, Too much. Yeah. So, right. So how do we – and it, I'm not saying, by the way, this isn't me – uh, we're, we got we got a smart team. We're thinking about it. We're going to come up with. We got some ideas, but the challenge, right? Because you're going to have people interested in it, but how do you onboard them? How do you get yeah. them into the? Well, yeah, the as, you, as you pointed out, that's what the that's what they're trying to do. Is they're trying to put the pressure down on the centralized points. They're trying to go after the companies that are de- developing the uh, the software like Library, and they're they're putting pressure on this the uh, the on ramps and the off ramps, the Coinbase's and the Krakens and and these places and you know they're and it's working and that that process is working and they're also putting pressure on peer-to-peer uh sellers like the crypto six so i mean this is no one said this was going to be easy 
changing the financial system is going to come up against some pretty serious opposition from the status quo. So I appreciate you know everything that you guys have done over at Library, and I'm glad that the the mission is going to continue in some shape or form. It, now I've heard something about there's a Library Foundation, and by the way, for listeners that don't know, we're talking about LBRY. You can go to either lbry.com. You can download the desktop app there if you don't want to get into the Odyssey side of things, which is more the platform. Uh, they're both very interesting and worth looking into. But what's the foundation and how is that different from the corporation that the SEC is destroying? Is it completely separate? Uh, yeah, it's a nonprofit that was set up by some community members just to have another entity in the ecosystem. Uh-huh. The original idea was to have a kind of uh, to the extent that there's ever a misalignment between the corporation, which does have some VC backing and, and just has a traditional corporate structure versus the sort of community. The, so we wanted to have this sort of countervailing um, uh, force and to be able to represent the community interest and to have like that different take on things, that different look. And so the, uh, the community started it and it's still there. It's still going. And uh, yeah, they, it may be one of the things, <laughs> this is all stuff we're going to have to go through. I mean, if we owe you know the government money uh, and we don't have any, you know, is the government going to take Library.com? Are they going to take our Twitter account and auction it off, or are mm-hmm. they going to? Would they let you know? Could the foundation have some of these things? Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a real question. Wow. You know, um, whether whether we'll be able. To, but I, you know, I know that there are still people involved there, and uh, you know, they certainly are a strong candidate to 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 be a new sort of. Uh, area to be coalescing around for okay. people interested in the library. Interesting. I didn't know that you weren't actually involved in uh, the creation of that, so that's that's good to know. Uh, something that is truly completely separate. So it remains to be seen exactly how much destruction the SEC is going to wreak against library. We know that the, the corporation is essentially done for. Uh, we know that you guys are going to be forced to burn. How many tokens are, are you guys burning? What's the plan there? Uh, it's, around, it's around 90 million. 90 million. And there's how many in in existence totally? Do you know offhand? Uh, A little over 700 million. Okay, so about, about, you know, what, an eighth of the tokens? Yeah. Roughly? Yeah. And that just basically means that they're going to be sent off to an address that no one has access to? Is that how the burning process works? Uh, That's a good question. (laughs) Probably, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's, because you can't really prove that the address, do you know? You burn just by sending an address we don't have access to. Yeah, you send it to like a zero. Uh, you send it, yeah, you send it to like all zeros. Right. Which, so you send it to something that like someone couldn't have. Just, There's uh, no private key that would be associated. Yeah, with that. it'd be very unlikely someone has has someone else successfully okay. generated that. All right. Well, we're definitely going to keep our eyes on this as it develops. As you, you know, we pointed out earlier, this thing isn't over yet. There's more discovery that you guys have to jump through. It could take, uh, you know, lo- what looks like two, three more months before you finally maybe get a final ruling on exactly how brutalized uh, the court library corporation and possibly Odyssey is going to be. But hopefully Odyssey will be left out of this, uh, at least for the moment. And as you pointed out, SEC is threatening to come again or, you know, come at Odyssey, perhaps. So this is certainly may not be over as much as we all uh, really want it to be, because nothing is more exhausting and and time consuming than dealing with this crap. I mean, I, I think, you know, this as well as anyone else that has experienced this, Jeremy. It's really hard uh, to get anything new done as far as a business is concerned, when there's a huge axe hanging over your head, right? You know, like, you can't develop anything of any significance because it could all just be snatched away from you. It, yeah, it is. It's an incredible uh, challenge. Uh, 
I mean, I have, and I have immense respect for you for dealing with, with something, you know, even harder. And it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very optimistic, you know, living in New Hampshire for the, for the future of Liberty in terms of what we're accomplishing here. Uh, in terms of crypto, you know, I, I'm not, I haven't turned pessimistic, but it certainly hasn't turned out like I thought that it would or, or could, or even still could. Mm -hmm. I mean, because all of the potential is still there to have peer to peer cash and to have all these promises of the ability to, uh, you know, escape these status quo systems that are just so broken. But it feels like, I mean, as another um, example, like you look at um, Porkfest, right? Where your Porkfest people, everyone was using Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin is worth like a hundred bucks or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And now uh, it feels like people are using crypto less than ever before. And if anything, like goldbacks, and I love goldbacks, but yep. goldbacks are eating away at cryptocurrency usage. And it's like, it's, it's crazy sad. because it's like, how, how did we fail? Like, how, how did we not do this? How were we unable to make this work? It was a mixture of the fear like with the library and the uh, crypto six case going on and everybody know about knew about it in New Hampshire. And the fact that last uh, pork fest cryptocurrency was way down and people were like, Oh, I'm not spending right now. Mm, yeah, that is true. But, but that said, I mean, Jeremy is pointing out that over the history of the porcupine freedom festival, cryptocurrency was widely used, widely accepted, whether up or down, just simply because it, uh, as a festival attracted the kind of person who was willing to use it. Right. Um, was it your experience? Cause Jeremy, I was only able to, to go for one day at uh, a pork fest due to my bail restrictions, but was it your experience that fewer vendors were willing to accept it or just that fewer people were willing to spend it or both that's a good question i'm difficult i'm not certain whether mm -hmm. it's a supplier demand problem but i just my my feeling and this is just a feeling so maybe someone else be like you're wrong jeremy but my feeling was that it was it was down from previous years I've heard right. other people say the same thing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's definitely true around here. I mean, we have uh, cryptocurrency meetups in the Keene area still, and of course, I'm prohibited from using it. Um, and but I still go to the meetups just to you know talk to people or whatever. And there's just not many people coming out and spending crypto, um, you know, for whatever for whatever reason. And these and you know these are activists who should know better, and they should know that it's important to support uh, local businesses that do that. But regardless, well, there's also no KYC ATMs right now. No non KYC ATMs right now. Well, I mean, but still, people have crypto. I mean, they could they could spend it. They can acquire it. Anyway, you uh, you did touch briefly, Jeremy. We're short on time for this hour, but uh, and I, I I suspect you probably have to go. But one of the things that you are pretty passionate about is the Free State Project and this migration of uh, people who love the ideas of liberty to New Hampshire. I believe you've been calling it uh, the Libertarian Homeland. And I know you were just at the Porcupine Day, which is the celebration, I believe it was the seven years since the Free State Project reached its goal of 20,000 members or 20,000 signers of its in, uh, statement of intent. Uh, I mean, how that? Uh, how did it go this weekend? Is there? I mean, can you give our uh, listeners a brief recap of what they missed? Yeah, so this is our celebration of our movement and, and how far we've come. It's, I think, unquestionable at this point that, that the Free State Project is the most successful libertarian movement in the world. It's, it really increasingly seems like it's one of the few hopes out there for, for people who, who want a society that, that operates under uh, in accordance with libertarian uh, principles. Um, and it does feel, I mean, the, the, the mood there is very positive. It's actually an interesting contrast um, you know, between the, the LP, uh, where it feels like, and I'm pro-libertarian party, but it feels like there's 
you know, a lot of fighting and a lot of drama. And it's, it's you know, the movement in New Hampshire feels increasingly strong, increasingly coalescing, um, uh, and and just more people coming year after year after year. And it does uh, it does feel like there's just an incredible amount of momentum, and the whole thing is only continuing to. Uh, accelerate. Thank you, Jeremy, for joining us on uh, Free Talk Live tonight. Definitely appreciate your time and uh, pe- keep in touch. Yes, good night. We've got hour two coming up. Free Talk Live. second hour of the show you can join us here the number is 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 here tonight it's ian and bonnie and we had jeremy kaufman with us in the first hour of the show for most of the first hour uh from library lbry.com the protocol that had a company that was backing it now, the SEC has completely destroyed that company. Uh, so we're waiting to see what, uh, how the other, sh- you know, how, how bad the damage is going to be. That yet has yet to be determined by the judge in the case. And, of course, we'll keep you in the loop as that situation develops over time. And I know, Bonnie, you had a question in regards to that situation, uh, you know, how did, what we're going to do next, that kind of thing. I, I want to get into that question, but first, we do have David on the line in Georgia. Go ahead, David. So uh, great, great show, show so far, you guys. Thanks. Last hour was last hour was a little bit demoralizing. So yeah. I just wanted to call in and say to everybody that we will we will make this. Um, the the government can't last forever. Crypto will win. It's just going to take time, and unfortunately, some people, some really good people, are going to go down because of it. And I and I and I know it's an unfortunate thing, but. We will win in, in the end because no empire lasts forever. Yeah, I tend to have that uh, optimistic view as well. Um, and yes, it is it is true that in the fall of any empire, some people are going to get hurt. And I wish it didn't have to be that way, but that's just the reality of the world that we live in. You know, like these people are violent, dangerous psychopaths who have no problem destroying human life if it stands in their way. And obviously of, prosperity, too. Like yeah. destroying 8 million of the library's tokens because... Because? No, I think it was 90 million. Oh, 90 million? 8%. Wow. 8% of the, oh, th- the total. That's what it was. 90 yeah. million of library tokens, just destroying them, these things that could, you know, become prosperity, basically. It, I mean, they're, they're not even hiding that they're not working for you and they're working against you anymore. Clearly. Well, David, I, I'm glad you called in with this, and I'd like to keep you on the line, actually, because basically it's a a similar thing to what I wanted to ask Jeremy, but it just felt like there was no time and uh, nowhere to fit it in. I just wanted I could have to say, asked him to stay, but you know he'd already been with us for the whole hour, so I figured we should let him go. He's busy. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say, like, what is the solution to this? Like, to the government attacking the government crypto? attacking cryptocurrency? Because I can't just say, oh, I'm just going to give up on cryptocurrency. It's just going to. Uh, that's not the you know thing. And I don't think Jeremy was saying this either, but I'm I'm just saying I. Some people might look at these situations, the crypto six, the library case, and say. We just have to give up on cryptocurrency. It's just never going to work. Uh, outside of just moving outside the country, since like some countries aren't going after it as hard as mm-hmm. the United States, 
what is the solution? Because to me, I can't give up on cryptocurrency because it's basically the only answer. If cryptocurrency just, you know, ceased to exist tomorrow because of the U.S. government or whatever, I, would, I feel like there'd be no chance. Personally, I think that the solution is to use cryptocurrency because the, the problem is using their money. Um, you, the money is what controls people. If they print it and people believe in it, then they control us. If we stop using it and we don't accept it, then they can no longer control us because we have something that's outside of their control. And I think that's the solution. The other topic I wanted to call in about is just a book recommendation that kind of goes along these lines. Okay. It's a book, it's a book called Thieves Emporium, and that's Thieves Emporium by Max Hernandez. And it was written in 2014 or 2015, and I actually discovered it because I was you know, interested in Bitcoin even back then. And it discusses um, this young mother who is actually going into these kinds of things using the, what's their equivalent of Tor and using gold as currency, and it talks about the Fed and uh, inflation and quantitative easing. and It was just a really, really good book. I, I feel like it fits really well into uh, what we were discussing even tonight and the ideas of liberty in general. Thieves as in like somebody who steals? Um, the, the book goes into the young mother and she basically uh, is a sex worker and she's trying to get away from the guy who's controlling her and this person gives her this card and gives her an address to go to and she becomes a kind of underground person fighting against the government. I think you were asking what the name of the, the oh, title yeah, was, right? Just the title. It sounds really interesting. I, I just didn't really oh. understand the first word in, in the title. Uh, thieves, like uh, like a person who steals from you. Thieves Emporium. Interesting. By All right, Max David. Hernandez. And you can get it on Amazon, or where I prefer to get it was uh, actually Smashwords. I'm not familiar with that. What is Smashwords? It is a kind of – it's for indie authors. And mm-hmm. I think that's where this guy actually originally published it, and then it got picked up and put onto Amazon. Oh, okay. So it's like but a self-published thing. Smashwords. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. David, uh, thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Uh, the, of course, the challenge, though, to David's answer to your question, Bonnie, which was, you know, what do we do? How, there's clearly an assault by the federal government gang on cryptocurrency as an industry and against individuals uh, who might be doing peer-to-peer sales, as they did with the Crypto 6 case, as they did with the Mark um, Hopkins case down in Texas, the guy that got arrested, even though he did jump through the FinCEN hoops, even though he did what they supposedly wanted him to do. He had a license. He had a license. Uh, They came after him anyway. So, like, you know, there doesn't seem to be a real safe way to play this. They are going to go after the people that they want to destroy. Now, they can't just destroy cryptocurrency. As Jeremy pointed out, these are decentralized protocols. They exist whether or not the federal government cares about them or, or whatever, right? Like, if the federal government cares or they don't care, the, the, the cryptocurrency is going to continue. And people are going to continue to use it. However... If it becomes such a situation in which people are afraid to use it openly and then crypto only is useful person to person quietly on the down low or using like a privacy coin on some darknet marketplace or whatever, 
then its value is going to be really limited. Mm-hmm. So I do agree with what David is saying, and that is to say that using it is important, but I don't think that is going to be enough I, because they're going to keep coming. They are afraid of what's going to happen to their dollar. I have to agree. Um, I love David An- David's answer because it's a huge part of what needs to be done, that people need to just continue using it and uh, accepting it, whether or not they're afraid that somebody, will, I mean, the government will come after them because eventually they're going to come after us all if we don't stand up, you know? Sure. But the other thing, which I'm not saying this is some simple answer, but it is going to be part of the answer is just enough people just saying no. Like the government tells them they're not allowed to do something and they just say, too bad I'm doing it. I mean, like that the first couple people that the government goes after, it's understandable that they can't do that. But they can't possibly the SEC can't possibly go after everyone. And if the SEC is going after everyone and they just say, too bad, I'm continuing doing it anyway, I I just think that's going to have to be the answer. I mean, people standing up and saying no is going to have to be the answer to the government in every aspect. And that's why I think New Hampshire is the place that it's going to get started, that, uh, you know, the end of, you know, government rule is going to be started. Mm. But it's... It's not enough for us to just hang out and be friends and be like, yay, we all don't hate each other for being libertarians. I think more people need to get active in a way that when somebody's getting gone after, people go and film, even just filming the goons that are going after them mm-hmm. is part part of what I'm talking about. People standing there saying, well, there's a happen. group of people that will go against you. Mm-hmm. government people if you choose to just you know ab- abuse our friends well i mean that did happen in the crypto six case we had uh, our friend chris i wasn't Bob saying it didn't out. happen i'm just pointing out that that we have enough people here to where that can and does happen there there were chris and bob uh from think penguin came out at six in the morning and they recorded video of the goon squad coming in here and and they didn't they didn't they weren't here for the actual kicking in of the the door the smashing in of the doors because well they didn't know it was happening yet but they got here as quickly as they could and they got yeah, some really like, critical footage I, and I talk about how that's great all the time yeah. one of the nicest things that most heartwarming things that come to mind when i think about like living in new hampshire and having a community but two people isn't going to be enough well, most people aren't up at six in the morning. I mean, the fact is it's, it's going to be hard to... It's not that specific situation. It's every yeah. situation. It's Joa's situation. We need a mm-hmm. hundred people that... How are there not a hundred people that realize Don Bolduck attacked Joa and he doesn't need to go to jail because Don Bolduck is a higher class citizen than him and we need to show up at his uh, trial and just be there looking at the judge in the face. Sit, just, just simple things like that. It's not like you have to go and create a new library. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, I, I definitely would like to see more people turning out for court to support people like Joa. And I think you're giving an example of uh, it's a case that's going on right now. Joa is our co-host. He, he's on sometimes on Thursdays with us, and he's a First Amendment auditor. The, uh, the, the good news is the First Amendment auditor community does have its own set of fans. Some of those guys are probably going to come out to the trial. But so far, Joa hasn't actually had the trial yet. Um, there was a hearing that we tried to go to a few weeks ago. Bonnie to record video of it. It was going to be like a pretrial conference that ended up getting canceled the day of. Yep. Um, and usually pretrial conferences are just kind of like pretty dull. I could understand why someone wouldn't make them, you know, uh, take their time out of their schedule, get a day off from work or whatever to go to that one. So hopefully you are going to see more people 
come out to the trial on that one. But uh, but yeah, I agree with you. That's that like if been... we have like three thousand people here supposedly in New Hampshire, why can't we get like a hundred? I bet I bet we won't. No, I suspect. Well, first of all, the courtroom wouldn't even fit a hundred people. But yeah, I suspect that courtroom will not be full. People that's... standing out in the hallway, the bailiffs going like. Oh, I don't know about this. Like, these people are scaring me. Things like that need to be going on. A bully in in high school or middle school or whatever, taking somebody's lunch money every day, isn't just going to stop because the person getting bullied is, like, mitigating the damage. Like, oh, he took my money, but I had a few cents in my pocket he didn't find out about. Yeah, he beat me up and he took $2, but I had some cents in my back pocket. Mm -hmm. I mitigated the damage. A bully's going to stop when a bunch of people surround him and say, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Get away from him. We're not going to put up with this. I agree. I agree. People um, you know, definitely need to get more active, and that's why we need to have thousands more people here. I mean, the reality is uh, the 80-20 rule or maybe even the 90-10 rule is always in effect in any given group, even in a group of people who are dedicated enough to pick up their lives and move somewhere, which that alone is like a percentage of a percentage, right? Like there's supposedly some number of percent of the population of the United States is libertarian, right? I don't know what that number is. I've heard it as high as two to 16%. Um, but, you know, let's let's just give it, you know, 2%. 2% of the U.S. population is supposedly libertarian, like actual libertarian, people that would maybe describe themselves as libertarian or at the very least they would score libertarian on something like the the world's smallest political quiz in that case it'd probably be much higher than than two percent but uh so if it's 330 million people that's what six six million roughly uh potential libertarians so only a very small portion of those those numbers are even willing to move somewhere for their beliefs and so it's it's a fraction of probably one percent of you know, less than one percent of those six million people are are going to be willing to move. And then of the group of people that actually is willing to pick up their lives and move, only so many of them are going to be effective activists. Only a, a, a small number of them are going to be the best, you know, the top tier. I, I just don't like that defeatist attitude. Like, oh, some of them just won't be activists. Just start shaming them for being. What I blood suckers. I don't think shaming works. I, I think that that's probably the wrong way to go about it. Well, you do it. it all the time. Whenever people are like, I'll move to New Hampshire when you guys secede, you point out that's a bad way of looking at it. Waiting for us to do all the work and then you move here when we secede? That's the same thing that the activists who are already here are doing. Who I mean, not activists, the libertarians who are already here are doing who aren't activists. Mm. Oh, I'm just going to sit around, go to my job every day, raise my kids. I homeschool my kids, so I feel like I'm doing something, but I'm not going to show up to court and literally say nothing. Nobody knows who I even am and just be there supporting mm-hmm. someone because, oh, that would put my foot in the fire. And that's so scary. People need to get over their fear. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, fear is a big player in this. Uh, Carla Garrick from the Free State Project was commenting, I think it was yesterday on Twitter, about her just being bewildered as to why so many libertarians fell for the whole COVID thing. I mean, there was some people who should have known better who had previously been very, you know, critical of the government at, the, at all levels, state and federal and local and so on, who bought the whole COVID line completely from the people that were pushing it. And it was shocking. Some of these some of these people who, uh, you know, should know better, they should know better than to trust the government. So why did they trust the government? And my answer was fear. It you know, it's one thing to say you're a libertarian. It's another thing to actually act like one. It's another thing to actually stick to your principles. 
And when fear is coming into play for people, it changes how they how they behave. I mean, look at Melanie Neighbors. I gave her as, a, as an example of this, right? She was a host on this show. She was one of the most vehemently anti-government people out there. And to the point where it was like... To the point where I even I disagreed with her, like she was an advocate of violence in a lot of cases, or at least came darn close to it. And so we had our disagreements about, you know, the different approach. But she certainly seemed to be very principled. She seemed to be very well read, very, uh, you know, on the money as far as her her viewpoints were concerned. But as soon as the federal government came in and actually got involved in her life and threatened her with what was really ultimately an empty threat she was threatened according to her testimony uh on stand during the crypto six trial she was she couldn't even remember supposedly what it was that she was threatened with because it was that like insignificant right like she couldn't remember it the charge yeah what the charge was going to be yeah and it was supposedly bank fraud and the whole idea that she would be charged with bank fraud for what she her whatever her minimal minimal involvement in uh, signing a document for me that I gave to the Kraken Bitcoin exchange at one point, uh, uh, you know, as my accountant in that particular case, would have not been feasible at all. Like, I don't even think they could have brought that charge against her. But she crumbled. She cracked immediately and became a state's witness in that case. So it just goes to show that no matter how tough talking, no matter, and she was an activist, right? She came out to things. She was at regularly at court hearings that, like you're talking about, she was somebody who went to those. Uh, she went specifically to one I remember uh, that I couldn't make. She went to one of the topless um, protests where, where le- wait, women were arrested for being topless at like Laconia Beach or something like that. And she went to that trial. And she reported on it extensively. She's written blogs at, uh, at freekeen.com. Like she counted for sure as like an activist. Yep. And she crumbled. Under and just a little that's exactly threat. the type of thing I'm saying needs to stop happening. Well, I agree with you, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm not trying to be defeatist here, Bonnie. I'm just trying to be realistic in that fear changes people from it. It separates the people who are just talk from the people that actually are going to stick to what it is that they believe. Well, I just think that people who aren't going to stick to what it is that they believe need to just stay away from New Hampshire because I don't want to be here if I could be anywhere else achieving the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Having friends. Like, I don't I don't want to live here just to have friends, finally. That's not, I mean, that's not the uh, bright side for me. Finally, I have friends. I'm able to not talk about politics with my friends. The other thing is that if they're here and they're not doing anything, they're just honestly wasting space. They're not going to get uh, chosen as a jury. In fact, I've seen at least one person who claims to be a libertarian uh, saying that they will purposely get out of jury duty by bringing up that they don't trust or that, that they know about jury nullification because... This is a free stater who said this? No, they live in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Saying, but they are libertarian Mm -hmm. and wants to move to the free state one day Mm. i'll get out of uh jury duty because um a day missing a day of work is more important to me it's just like people like that seriously need to stay away like i i don't want to live in new hampshire just to have this cultish friend group Mm. i want to live in new hampshire because there there should be people here and there are a lot i'm not saying there are none obviously i'm never not saying that there's none but there needs to be a lot more and we need this house space for them to come here and 
stand up together against the government. It's not like a really fun place to live. It's not like a really... I think Utah is way more beautiful than New Hampshire. Hmm. I mean, it's just like, give me a reason to be here other than you can finally have friends. And I think that the reason to be here is still feasible. Like, it can still happen. But people need to start shaming the people who want to come here and just sit around and, uh, you know, wait for everybody else to do all the work and not actually support the people who are doing the work. I mean, that's the very least. Like, people like you who are actually putting their, I don't know if that's the right term, their foot in the fire, um, need to ha- have at least support from the people who are doing less. The number is 603-283-6160 if you want to join the show here. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't generally disagree with your frustration, Bonnie. I mean, I've been here for a long time. I've seen the number of people that have attended trials uh, fall off the radar ever since, uh, ever since Ademo and Pete we're here from Cop Block. Demo had a full courtroom full of people in Manchester at his last trial for "quote unquote" wiretapping, which sadly the jury convicted him of. Uh, but uh, you know, we had like fifty plus, maybe even sixty people in that courtroom, and it was amazing because it actually changed the whole like feeling or the tenor or whatever of that courtroom. Because normally, like in a court, everybody's always really quiet. It's like this church-like atmosphere, mm. and you can't speak because the pastor's going to get mad at you. And, and, or yeah, whatever. I was going to say it's fear. It's a it's a environment of fear where everybody is afraid of what the scary guy and, and the friend's going to do to them. Yeah, and that was completely different under the Adamo trial. People were laughing, they were talking out loud. There was actually applause at multiple. I recall multiple points during the trial. I, I'd never, never in my history had experienced a level of just openness and f- like a fun atmosphere almost from the people in the in the, the benches or the pews or whatever, uh, the audience area at the trial. I've not seen that since. Uh, Jeremy's thing that happened a week or so ago was actually the biggest turnout I've seen in a court since the Ademo thing. I was really happy to see almost the whole courtroom got filled there. There was 40-plus yeah. people. There were some kids that were filling up some seats, but you know, they count, I guess. I wish and- that, like, um, I couldn't go to the other hearings because I either didn't live here yet or I went to Frank's hearing instead of the library hearing yeah. for the one I did live here for. But I, I wish I could have gone and I wish more people would have went to those ones because I feel like they mattered more. Like mm-hmm. this one was just how this is basically effed is he going to be? Yeah. Like, I mean, it doesn't really do anything to show the judge, like, look how many people support him at that point. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Not that it doesn't do anything. I don't think it would have mattered. But yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. More people should have shown up before. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160, but better late than never. And you can join us, share your thoughts on whatever's on your mind. The question is, what do we do about this attack on cryptocurrency? It ended up going into a discussion about the Free State Project, uh, but I, I think we can come back around to that as well. And you mentioned going to other countries, uh, Bonnie, and there's news out of El Salvador in this area I think is worthy of sharing. This is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You can join the show here and bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian and Bonnie joining you tonight. Phones open. That's what we do here. We take your calls and thoughts about whatever is on your mind. And we also bring things to the table to discuss that we think you might find interesting. 
Uh, and I do want to say thank you to Monero FTW, who is a supporter of Free Talk Live's AMPS program. And you can join Monero FTW over at amps.freetalklive.com. That takes you over to our Patreon page. You can sign up there for as little as 5 bucks a month, which is the amount that Monero FTW is doing. And that helps us advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live. That's what AMPS stands for. It's a way for you to get involved uh, in helping us support this mission, uh, mission of spreading the ideas of peace, liberty, and cryptocurrency and things like that all around the planet. And is FTW for the win? I believe so. That's yeah. funny. Uh, so thank you to Monero FTW for your support. And you can join him or her, not sure, over at amps.freetalklive.com. You get some perks like access to the Amps-only podcast, which has the full uh, radio show without any of the recorded commercials uh, involved in it. So thank you again for that and appreciate uh, anybody who wants to support us. Also, we can now be, uh, you can now support us directly on Odyssey as well as we announced earlier tonight. If you want to try that instead of doing Patreon, you can do that, although it doesn't have the same perks because Patreon is the one that provides the podcast that I was just telling you about. But it is a different way to support us without having to go through Patreon, and you can do that on our Odyssey channel. Just click join at the top of the page at video.freetalklive.com. Bad Slave is on the line in New Hampshire. Go ahead, Bad Slave. Howdy. Uh, you know, you guys were just talking about what happened with Melanie and 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 how, uh, you know, fear being generated uh, is uh, is a huge part of the problem. I and and the 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 idea that uh, governments that are there to protect rights, which is a huge joke. I, you know, I'm not ever right. going to even challenge that. But but the point is, is that one of the tools that that these authorities depend on. And they don't we don't have to let them fear. And right. The, the 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 they lie. Mm hmm. You know, and if you're going to be a liar, operating within the realm of of uh, authoritative uh, arrangements with government, then though that's a crime in my my mind. And if that crime is, and and I think it rises to the level of of, of a felony, because people are harmed. People are harmed, and sure. and the fact is that they uh, they they not only need to be put in sanction and in, in you know jails and whatever they need to be put on the lorry list as well. The lorry list All is a New Hampshire based list of bad behaving cops, basically cops that are problematic. That had previously been very uh, secretive, but they were forced by a, a Supreme Court decision in New Hampshire to reveal that lorry list within the last couple of years. They're still fighting over it, but uh, but most of the list has uh, has been revealed, as I understand it. Well, before the government, uh, you know, showed up in people's countries, you know, I'm not saying that there was like one time period that happened, but you know, before people got convinced that governments, you know, have a right to exist and are there to protect them. Humans just knew that there was one law, and that's do no harm. 
So these people calling themselves governments, these tyrants and parasites, uh, are doing the only crimes, basically, that aren't just people out there, random people hurting each other, you know? It's organized crime. It's organized crime, and it's like the main crime that goes on every day. I think that people would do a lot less hurting and killing each other if there wasn't government out there already hurting them to where they were in, you know, pathetic, impoverished uh, impoverished positions and couldn't get ahead because I don't have all these taxes to pay to start a new business, so I'm just getting a drug deal. Oh, and drug dealing is really dangerous because it's illegal, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to kill this guy because he's trying to rob me while I'm drug dealing or whatever. You know, I, I really think that the government um it creates crime they are sure. criminals sure. and they create crime bad slave any other comments go ahead well i i just want to say that i think that that the the political capital exists in the general court in new hampshire right now to to get a a, a, a ranging uh you know repudiation of of this, you know, awful, awful, awful accepted practice, which is it's so easy to create fear if you're just gonna lie through your teeth and 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 you know fraud is harm. I'm sorry. It Oh, I see. You're saying that, like, the like in Melanie example, they lied to her that they were going to come after her, that they had bank fraud uh, allegations to come after her mm-hmm. for, and therefore people were harmed because she, you know, it generated fear. And most and mm-hmm. most charges that they come up with, you know, like in the Crypto Six or whatever is going on with uh, uh, the SEC, you know, the the Fed. They're all, you know, engaged in, in uh, you know, at some level of fraud. And, and, sure. and you know, we have to squash that. Thank we you, can- Bad Slave. Thank you for the call tonight. I do appreciate hearing Couldn't from you. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, and, and this comes back around to the what do we do about it uh, question, Bonnie, that you had a little bit earlier in regards to this whole discussion about the SEC targeting library and targeting other crypto companies like like Ripple. Uh, the federal government targeting uh, people like the Crypto Six, including me and others, uh, Mark Hopkins, many others who have sold Bitcoin online with or without asking for permission. What do you do about this situation? And the, and the reality is nothing can be done about Washington, D.C. except to, to leave it. Uh, and you know some people are physically leaving the United States. And then there's also independence movements that are forming in various and have formed in various different areas. You have the Texas Nationalist Movement, which has probably got the longest track record and maybe the most uh, success as far as spreading the word about independence. Texas has a fairly, I would say, willing population down there, at least according to a survey that was done in the summer of 2022. Uh, New Hampshire has a newer movement. It's only been around here for about a decade, but we've also had some tremendous success as far as uh, the political system is concerned. Is any of those, you know, is that going to happen anytime soon? I mean, we can't predict the future. Probably not going to happen in 2024, although that would be the soonest that New Hampshire could possibly get something onto the ballot to allow the people of New Hampshire to vote on declaring independence. But unfortunately, the first time we tried it last year, only 13 of the 400 state reps uh, voted for it. 
So, you know, we, we've got a long way to go on that particular issue. But getting out from underneath the federal government's jurisdiction, of course, would be the, the solution. But even that doesn't necessarily work because even if you can get out from under their jurisdiction, you're still not free of them because as they've proven, they can still come and get you. Uh, you know, SBF, for instance, the guy from the FTX, who is accused of actually defrauding people and like the Crypto Six, uh, he was handed over. You know, he was ex- extradited from uh, from the Bahamas. Yeah, they have their case. methods. He ended up agreeing yeah. to get extradited because they put him in like the most dangerous uh, prison Jail. in the yeah. Bahamas. Yeah. Jail. So like they can come after people in most countries on the planet. It's like, OK, well, yeah, Edward Snowden's ha- hiding out in Russia. Well, even but then, like... Who wants to live there? Yeah, running away to another country isn't anything about... Or anything like what I'm talking about anyway, because what I'm talking about is freeing everybody who wants to be free. Not, yeah. Maybe not freeing the world, because the world doesn't want to be free. No, they don't. And I wouldn't coerce them to do something they don't want to do. Right, yeah, if but, you want to have a master, you should you should have one. But um, freeing everybody that wants to be free isn't just going off in... Being, oh, okay, I'm not under, you know, I'm, me and my family are okay. We're over here in, uh, I don't know, somewhere like an island somewhere Mm -hmm. and we're okay. So therefore that's all the work I had to do. I, that's not what I'm talking about. Like you can Mm -hmm. do that basically anywhere. You can do that in your mind right now. You can just decide there are certain things I'm going to overlook and deal with and I'm going to live in Alabama and well, my kids aren't getting taught about drag queens in school, and that's the most important thing to me. You can do that right now in in the United States, and you can probably do it uh, even better outside of the United States if you care more about other uh, things. But if you want to create a world where everybody's free, I don't think that just running away is the answer. No, that doesn't change anything. That's the My Freedom Movement. That's Mark's thing. That's what he's doing uh, with his thing down in Honduras, and I do wish him the best. I hope it. I hope it works out. And I'm glad that he's openly... Promoting it for what it is. It's yeah. not free the world. It's nope. you want to get away from the other stuff, come here. It's, I'm just saying it's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do agree with you, Bonnie, because, you know, what is it the old saying? Uh, All it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Right. Right. And so the more good people that we can get to concentrate themselves in one area, I still believe is the best path to freedom. I mean, that is, or at least more freedom. And that is what Jeremy Kaufman was, was pointing out is that, it's a proven fact that the Free State Project is a working, it's not just an experiment, it's a proven working system of encouraging like-minded, liberty-oriented people to migrate to the same geographic area. And we still see on Twitter every day and social media where people are saying, I'm coming. I got to get my S straight. I got to get my business sold. I got to get my, you know, my mom's dying or whatever. Right? There's different things that people have to kind of square away in their lives before they can make the make a move somewhere. It's not easy, right? Especially the if you got a large family or a business or something like that. It takes time. But there's people who are saying they're coming. And uh, 2021 was the largest year so far. They have not released the numbers for 2022 yet, by the way, for the Free State Project. 2021 was the largest year for movers for the Free State Project uh, to New Hampshire. And so, you know, I, I'm i not as critical as Bonnie on, you know, what they're doing because I don't honestly know what they're all doing. Some of them probably doing more than, than we realize. 
And some people focus on different areas that we think is important. They might not think they're as important. But uh, I think we need all types. I think we need all levels of, of interaction. Not everyone can can be a super activist. Uh, not everyone can. You You're know, the only super activist. And if true. you go to jail, then the Free State Project is over. That is not true. Uh, there's there's plenty of super activists out there, but uh, unfortunately, Dave Ridley is currently stuck in Colorado due to family health issues. Yeah, he would be probably the first on my list of of other super activists here. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about Dave Ridley. Uh, but there are many, and uh, and the more the more the people. Uh, Zephin would be another good example of a of a super activist as well. And, you know, he's got a different focus, right? Like he's training to be a lawyer and he's doing bill readings for the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. He's done, I believe, over 300 of them so far this year. He's, again, the number one bill reviewer. Uh, and, and you know how hard it is to do those bill reviews, Bonnie. You've been doing a handful of them yourself. I've and, done five. Yeah, I mean, he's up to three. No one gets even close to Zephyr. Like there's there's a number two, but that number two is a In distant, like the hundreds. He's yeah. done like 320-something 270 of them have been published. Yeah. And the next person has like 100 something. Yeah. I mean, that's good. That's also really good. I'm past it's... like the middle of the leaderboard now just with five. That's that's not bad. So um, all of mine have been published. But it's important work, you know, that and it's boring work, but it's but it's important work. And some people it's just really time consuming. It. Like yeah. when I do one, it takes all uh, the whole night, like the whole time I've set aside to do it. Yeah. Like an hour at least per per bill. It seems because like. you want to do a good job. Like you want to make sure you're reading what it really says. And it's all convoluted. Compl- yeah, they're complex. So anyway, I just think we need more people in general, and I, and, I, and that's happening, right? Like it's just it's slow going because you have to recruit people to to come to a, a place and change their whole lives around. So and then some people got to you know they got to get in and they got to get their job and they got to you know, get the bills paid before they feel like they can come out to things. And I'm not going to indict somebody uh, for for taking their time with doing activism or whatever it is they're doing. But anyway, um, so what else can we do? I think that's it. I think seceding from the United States is the only solution as far as the cryptocurrency world is concerned because they aren't going to stop. They're going to continue doing the attacks against people in the world of cryptocurrency, and they're going to have success in trying to paint cryptocurrency as this dangerous wild west. It's risky. You don't want to get involved in risky things and, you know, trying to make it look like it's full of scam artists like SBF, you know, the guy from the FTX exchange and see, you don't want to be doing these things. They're dangerous Americans. And you know, that really reminds me of a conversation I was having with a friend recently is just basically there was somebody on Twitter that some Democrat lady from New Hampshire that posted a picture of LPNH. It was a screenshot of something they had said. And I'll tell you what that said in a second. But the Democrat lady posted it and said, like, I don't normally compare people to the Nazis, but the free staters are becoming like the Nazis. And it, it's a big deal. And all LPNH said, I'm not going to get the exact quote off the top of my like head. projecting to me. Right. All LPNH said, and I'm not going to get, LPNH is the Libertarian Party of New Thank Hampshire. You, yeah. um, I'm not going to get the exact quote off the top of my head, but it was something like, we want to push out all of the violent people like socialists mm-hmm. who live in New Hampshire by becoming the most free state, basically. Right. And I pointed out to her, you can't point to anything violent being being said in that screenshot. Like, right. there's nothing violent to be pointed to. And a friend of mine messaged me and said, I think this is a important learning opportunity because while everybody me included, that commented that was logically correct. The Democrat lady and all her friends, they don't think logically. 
They only think emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I don't think my, I, my answer to that isn't to, you know, twist my ways into only being emotional with her. But, you know, it is a technique called, I can't remember what it's called right now, where people learn how to persuade people via, you know, not just always being the way that you think all the time, talking to them in a way that, you know, will complement the way that, they think mm-hmm. so an appeal to emotion right like mm-hmm. appeal to the emotion in that yeah. case now what what were we talking about that reminded me of that you said something about emotions hmm. i but, don't know but you're right people do need to be emotionally on board with the things that we're talking about logic is great but it's really only going to convince a very small per- portion of the population most people are like what you're talking about they they think based on emotion they feel things and so they need to be able to feel that the government is a danger to them. The government is harmful to uh, peaceful people. And luckily, the all we have to do is really just point it out because the government just keeps on giving us example after example of their tyranny and their violence uh, against people. And it's becoming more, I think, more and more prevalent and more and more obvious. But that's kind of one of our roles here is to, to say, oh, look over here. Here's the government destroying somebody's life. Oh, here's five black cops killing a black guy or whatever, right? Like you just keep telling these stories and showing uh, people the truth. And maybe some people will will see, that, see it for what's really happening. Uh, so I mentioned other solutions. We were talking about cryptocurrency. And your question, Bonnie, was what do we do? Well, obviously, moving to New Hampshire, if you are living in the United States, is a relatively easy thing to do, right? Like, all things considered, you pack your stuff, you get your savings together, and you make the move, you find a place to live, you get a new job or whatever, right? You move your business, that kind of thing. That's pretty simple. Whether it's easy or not, it's at least simple. It's pretty straightforward. gets a little more complicated when the answer is to leave the United States. Okay, well, where do you go? Can you go to that place? Are there rules that are in in place to prevent you from going to that place? Can you even leave the United States? Like, I can't leave. They took my passport. I don't have a passport. Uh, I'm under bail conditions anyway, and they'll certainly come to get me if I I tried to. So I have no intention uh, of doing that. But, uh, you know, if you're free to leave, if you do have a passport, where do you go? Well, a lot of crypto people have been talking about El Salvador uh, as an option since the country of El Salvador in 2021, I believe it was September of 2021, they announced that they were going to make Bitcoin legal tender in the nation of El Salvador. Now, that is in addition to the U.S. dollar, which is also legal tender in El Salvador. And this is one of the things that makes, um, you know, kind of makes a lot of sense. I know I don't agree with the way they went about it meaning that they did put in the law that you have to accept Bitcoin if someone offers Bitcoin as payment. Right. Now, they say, the president of the country says, well, it's that's not being enforced. And it's not, from what I understand, right? Like, if you're a 70-year-old man selling uh, tacos from a cart on the street and somebody offers you Bitcoin, you tell them, no, the cops aren't going to come arrest you, right? They're not going to, that's not happening, thankfully. But it is in the law. Okay, so yeah, what's even the point of putting in the law? It's crazy because they could enforce it at some point if they wanted yeah, to, right? right? And that's what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, but it's not being enforced, so you know. Okay, so that is that's the case there. But uh, you know, now it's been more than a year, maybe almost not quite a year and a half since that change got made, and it's been interesting watching the international response to El Salvador, specifically uh, other countries, and the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, has been. 
lashing out. They've been lashing out at El Salvador for some time. And according to RT.com, which is Russia Today, the story came out just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the head of El Salvador, the president there, Nayib Bukele, has slammed international media for claims that the country is on a brink of default on their bond payments. He said that, uh, according to the story here, El Salvador has successfully made the $800 million government bond payment that was due in January, according to Nayib Bukele, the president, in a Twitter post. Tuesday's transaction followed an earlier payment and included a $604 million bond payment and $23.4 million in interest, according to Bukele's press office. Quote, uh, he said, we just paid in full $800 million plus interest, but of course, almost nobody is covering the story. They lie and lie and lie, and when their lies are exposed, they go on silence mode. For some reason, no one's co- talking about this. No one's covering the story. It's like a, I think it's just a buzz term at this point. Mm-hmm. Like people will start to be way more interested in it if you type... Blah, blah, blah is happening in India, and no, no one is talking it. about it. Yeah. And then everybody starts talking about it, but they keep saying that. But anyways. Well, by definition, if someone's talking about it, then no one isn't talking about it. But but his point is, and he makes it pretty strongly, I actually have his Twitter thread pulled up here. He says that when, uh, prior to them making this payment, the mainstream media all around the planet was going off about how they'll never make the payment. He said that they all said without striking a deal with yeah, the, I remember that with the IMF that we're going to be able to we're going to be unable to pay our 2023 bond because of our quote unquote Bitcoin losses. And then he cites article after article after article, Washington Post, New York Times, uh, you know, international coverage where they said the same. Thing Full page spreads, he says, on the New York Times and all, creating the narrative that El Salvador is broke and is going to default. He says, I called them out at the time, but of course, who was going to believe us and not every international news outlet and their so-called economic geniuses? Hmm. He says, well, we just paid in full $800 million plus interest, but of course, almost no one is covering the story. I just found one, yes, one in Spanish from Colombia, and then he links to that. Hmm. He says, they lie and lie and lie. And uh, when then they're exposed, they go on silence mode. So he did pay, you know, they, the government there did pay this. Now, this guy's a thug, too. Okay, I think it's important to point that out. I am not some sort of Bukele fan. I don't think he's a good guy. He is a politician. Monster. He's a politician. Yeah, and he's a monster in his own way, right? Like, he's oppressing the people of El Salvador in his own way. We don't talk a lot about what happens down there, but every now and then we've done a story about it. And, you know, he's not in favor of free speech or anything like that, right? Like He's he, in favor of killing all drug dealers or putting them in his horrible prisons. Yeah, he just rounds people up from the streets and just throws them into overcrowded uh, El Salvadoran prisons. I mean, it's, it's terrifying. So, like, this guy isn't a good guy, but he is on the right side, at the very least, of the Bitcoin question. And he's speaking out against the International Monetary Fund, and he's going against... The international grain to some extent. And to that extent, I appreciate the things that he says on this particular issue. Uh, His announcement followed a campaign or rather a statement from the finance minister who also denounced the media's disinformation campaign about the state of El Salvador's finances. Bukele, who calls himself the CEO of El Salvador, championed the country's adoption of Bitcoin as official currency alongside the U.S. dollar in 2021. El Salvador became the first country in the world to legalize Bitcoin as a means of payment. 
The move sparked widespread controversy and prompted Fitch ratings to downgrade El Salvador's sovereign debt to CC rating, which stands for a very high level of default risk in September of 2022. There's a little bit more to the story here. And is the solution to the, the difficulties that Bitcoin's facing in the United States to make the move to a place like El Salvador? share your thoughts and bring up whatever's on your mind here. Maybe you have a solution as well, because I like the Free State Project as a solution. More coming up. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the third hour of the show here. Phones are open if you want to join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian. And Bonnie. We've been talking uh, about cryptocurrency and the government in the United States, their attack against this peaceful technology that could, should, maybe eventually will set people free from the financial bondage uh, that they are born into in various different places around the planet. You have uh, these people calling themselves governments, which, of course, as we know, Bonnie, as you pointed out tonight, are goons and despots, parasites, thugs, and gang members. Uh, these people rule over us. And the one of the ways that they are so effective at ruling us is the fact that they make the money. They literally print it from thin air, and they can print as much as they want, and they can use that money to go and drop bombs on peaceful people all around the world. They can invade other countries with it and just aggregate to themselves more wealth and aggregate to their buddies, their corporate buddies, more wealth. Take it literally out of your pocket without you losing the money in your pocket, but they take the value away. That's what inflation is when they print money into existence and that can also not just mean physical currency but also just incrementing zeros and numbers in computer systems so they can make more money and that makes you poorer and if you decide oh i see it now and i don't want to use this uh thing called the dollar for my sorry uh something like touch my nose okay i don't want to use this thing called the dollar for my energy exchange anymore and you try to use something else they're going to put all these barriers in your way. Yeah, and that's what we've been discussing tonight, where they've attacked the library corporation. Uh, they're attacking individuals for selling Bitcoin, like me and the rest of the Crypto Six and others, countless others across the United States, have been put into literal prison cells for selling Bitcoin to people without asking the government permission. And so is this all going to make crypto go away? No, it's not. Crypto is going to stay. It's going to continue to be developed. It's going to continue to be uh, improved by some of the, the most brilliant minds on the planet. The people that are behind these cryptocurrency uh, experiments, these corporations or whatever, they're absolutely brilliant people. And you know whether or not the U.S. government is going to be friendly to the technology is irrelevant to whether or not it will continue to exist and continue to be developed and continue to be spectacularly useful. The government is such a small amount of people compared to the amount of people just on the planet. And I think the only thing that can really change anything is people's mindsets changing. I think that 
the problem we talked about earlier with, well, people think too emotionally. Well, that needs to change. That's something that needs to change. People need to stop thinking so emotionally. If you know how to do it, if you've, you know, went from being somebody who's controlled by your emotions to understanding that you need to stop and changing it, try to get out there and teach it. Mm. I mean, I've definitely, I've definitely done that. Like, I'm a woman. I should be all emotion, right? That's what they say. But I wanted to know what the truth was, and I made a point to learn about how to use logic. And it's just like anything. When you first start thinking a different way, it's going to be hard at Mm. first. You have to train yourself. But you have to train yourself. Using cryptocurrency is going to be the same way. You can get started at Bitcoin.com. Yeah, that's right. The Get Started tab. You can definitely start learning over there at Bitcoin.com. El Salvador has become this interesting experiment where the government there, they don't have a central bank. They're not like the United States or Canada or China or Japan or all these countries that have central banks. They don't have it. And so that puts them in a unique position. I mean, I shouldn't say they're unique. There's a, there are several, if not dozens of countries on the planet that also, I think, don't have... I don't know what the number of them is, but there's more than one uh, country on the planet that does not have a central bank. They use the dollar uh, just because it's there and it's convenient and it's, amongst the world currencies, the least volatile for now. That may change in the, uh, you know, the near future. If they print a trillion dollar coin. Well, I mean, that definitely could affect things. Mint. Uh, but... So El Salvador doesn't have that problem with a central bank. And so they have the freedom to be able to just say, well, we're just going to start doing Bitcoin as a a, uh, legal tender. And that's what they did. And they've been criticized for it. They've been downgraded. Their sovereign debt rating is now CC level, which stands for a very high level of default risk. Is is that like a rating that tells other countries? Yeah. As I understand it, they're called the Fitch Ratings. They downgraded El Salvador. The IMF has been threatening El Salvador, been demanding uh, that they reverse course. International Monetary Fund. Yep, thank you. Uh, They've been demanding they reverse course on this Bitcoin thing. Uh, According to RT.com, El Salvador's government has been brushing off the warnings, however, and actively buying Bitcoin despite the drop in crypto prices following last year's bankruptcies and collapses in the sector. And what we saw was that after they bought a bunch of Bitcoin, of course, price happened to go down, like by, you know, 50%. So a bunch of people were looking at El Salvador and saying, oh, you guys screwed this one up. Boy, you've lost hundreds of millions of your taxpayer dollars on this. And and that is the downside of this, right? Like this isn't Nayib Bukele's money that he's playing with. He's taking taxpayer money and he's buying bitcoin with it ultimately i think it's going to prove to be a good move but it's still coercive he's still stealing from the people of el salvador many of whom don't agree with bitcoin or aren't interested in bitcoin and don't want to have their money uh put into that but he did it and they bought i don't know how many hundreds if not thousands even if they do understand bitcoin it's not like he's buying it for them correct yeah they're not going to necessarily benefit from it uh, but interestingly, earlier this month, the uh, rather last month, the nation's legislative assembly approved a law that regulates the issuance of digital assets, which will give El Salvador the ability to issue government-backed Bitcoin bonds. Now, do you know what a bond is? We talked about it on the show with Aria like a year ago. Yeah, they're, uh, it's, it's some a, weird thing. It's like a financial instrument that's not quite... 
I don't know if they would call it a security, but it is uh, a way to fund government kind of on a voluntary basis. So when a government offers a bond, like the local government can do this. The uh, city of Keene can say, well, we aren't willing to tax the people for building this new school. But if you think it's a good idea, then you can buy this bond and that will raise the money. And then we pay you back on the, the bond later on. And I don't know if they pay interest. I suspect they do. That's probably how they get people interested. I think they do. And, and when, it, when we looked into it, it was like so little. It was laughable for the yeah. United States Treasury bonds. Right. So those are the federal level ones. Yeah. Uh, but there's also other governments can do bonding as well. And so El Salvador is now going to be offering Bitcoin bonds, meaning that you can buy El Salvador sovereign debt. Uh, you can buy bonds through El Salvador, and including if you're not in El Salvadoran. You can just do this. You know, anybody that's got Bitcoin. Once these bonds are available, we'll be able to spend them with El Salvador. And so the idea is that El Salvador is going to make this Bitcoin city thing. And this is something they've been talking about. Now, when it's going to happen, whether it happens, still remains to be seen. But the plan is they're going to tie it into like a volcano. And the volcano is going to be used, like the energy from the volcano is going to be used to do Bitcoin mining somehow. And And are people going to live right by the volcano? Probably. Is it like an active volcano? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know all the details here. Uh, But, you know, obviously some people are willing to do that. So that's the plan is to... Wait, the volcano is going to mine cryptocurrency? Somehow the energy from the, like the thermal energy Hmm. from the volcano is going to be converted into Bitcoin mining. I don't know how they're going to do that, but I bet you that scientist types can, can figure that out. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. It's an interesting idea, and so people that want to back this idea can do that by buying these Bitcoin bonds with El Salvador. That money will be used, supposedly, to create this Bitcoin city and set up these Bitcoin miners. And then eventually, if this thing is a success, and that's an if, if it's a success, then they'll be able to pay back your bond with interest, and you'll make Bitcoin on it. You know, the downside is you're funding a violent government, which is imprisoning its own people. But the upside and is, theft. yeah. But the upside is it is something different. It is a government trying something different, and so you know, to that end, I do think it's one worth watching. It's one worth paying attention to uh, to see how this it's goes. interesting and all. But at the same time, I just don't like the idea of crypt- uh, governments getting involved in cryptocurrency for themselves. I don't either, but I guess if I had to choose, I'd rather see a government getting involved in cryptocurrency than trying to prohibit it. Right. Definitely. So, so, I mean, they're less offensive as far as what their official policies are, at least on that issue. They're certainly offensive when it comes to locking people up without a trial and all the Not other— Not feeding them in prison? Yeah, I mean, it's— He uh, said he was like, people are going to start missing—I uh, don't care if people miss meals or something like that. That doesn't surprise me. So if you want to comment here, you can join us. The number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever is on your mind. Sarah is on the line in New Mexico. Sarah, what's on your mind tonight? Um, oh, yes. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to actually talk to people that are, um, like, how do you think, planning and or, um, or orchestrating the, the, the new Gateway Center. Um, and what is that? And- so it's a, it's a new homeless shelter that used to be a hospital, and I got to talk to people that are coordinating it. And 
it was very important because I brought they were they were going to throw the men with the women in a common open area, and it seems like hmm. I got got them right before I, I talked that lady out of it. Wow! So and, you're saying uh, you you alone were able to persuade this uh, this new homeless center to not go co-ed? Well, I do not know. They they were telling me that they had everything separated except they were going to throw the outdoor area where they, I guess, they smoke or get some sun or get some air, like a play playground area mm-hmm. or lunch area. And that they they were saying that it was going to be a common area. Mm-hmm. And then I I I think I I don't know if they're still going to do it. I don't. I have no idea if she's going to listen to me. I see. But at least I had an opportunity to bring up that. Um, that's an opportunity for like those scouts for the pimps. Um, they're actually a homeless men, but they're like the telescopic eyes. They're, I mean, eyes, uh, what do you call those? The, they're kind of like finders for the pimps. They're, hmm. they're there to look hmm. out for the runaway girls. Oh, okay. So, and then they, yeah. So then they are, but all they do is they, and, and then they sit there and then they watch who's most vulnerable what age they are, whether they're a runaway, how how close they're to their family, how mm-hmm. far away they're from their family, they look whether they're addicted. They look at all this, and then they analyze. Um, and they're how do you call that? They're tattletales for the pimps or something? Maybe like I, recruiters, scouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's scouts? exactly it. That, that's okay. exactly it. Mm-hmm. They're undercover recruiters, but they mm-hmm. are they are homeless. And I I have no. Do you think they get? Some kind of perks from the pimps. I mean, yeah, they have probably to get, get paid something. or something. Yeah, like you get a finder's fee or something like that. Yeah, well, um, it's oh. interesting, Sarah. I mean, people who don't go get out and go get involved and stuff don't get any um, influence. So it's nice that you went out there and tried to get you know some kind of influence in this thing you care about. Well, I don't the know thing how is, much the, influence it'll make. The problem though is Sarah is against legalizing prostitution. So like she acts like she's all concerned for these poor girls who are going to be you know possibly forced into service for these pimps and that's horrible but what you are missing sarah is that if prostitution were legal it would basically put the pimps out of business but you know it's hypothetical no it's not hypothetical whatever you want no 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 sarah it's not hypothetical Uh, aren't you near nevada or nevada there in uh, new mexico well actually i i do not but i i am against legalizing prostitution i know you are that's why i brought it up Okay, but, but you didn't answer my question. Aren't you right next door, basically, to Nevada? Right. Yeah. Don't you know that prostitution is legal in multiple counties in Nevada? Just because it is. Why do I have to support that? You I'm know? not telling you you he, have he, to support it. He's just bringing it up because he's saying it's not a hypothetical. It's not something that could never happen. You know, it's not. Right. It, we it don't can have happen. to imagine. We don't have to pretend. We and we know the stats on what no, happens I, when it happens. Well, think about it. Okay, that, that's a, there's a what if and hypothetical and your your reality, what you want it to be. Okay, and then what and then there is what it is now, the way things are now. But you realize that the way the things are now that, can change and have changed in other places, right? Yeah, but it's more important so that the pimps they don't throw the men with the women. It's more important for me so that they don't loiter. The homeless men don't loiter. You don't want to stop pimping. You just want to try to... They could do it elsewhere. They could do it at the bus stop, and they will. Listen, Sarah, why are you ignoring the fact that just, you know, I don't know, a couple few hundred miles away from you, prostitution is completely legal. It's like two states, Northwest. It's it's completely legal. 
in Nevada in many places. And the problem with the pimps, like you're saying, is not a problem there because in a legal marketplace, you can open up a brothel and you can advertise your services and you can have women working for you voluntarily because they want to. In fact, some women move to Nevada specifically so they can work in this industry. Well, I, I, have a, I have a question. Is, uh, okay, Nevada, is that where the Las Vegas is, the big casinos? Right. It's yeah. The Las Vegas, Nevada, right? Yeah. Okay, well, why is it I've been hearing a lot of the sex trafficking going in the casinos and there's a lot of pimp activity? Is, is that legal there? That's what I've been hearing in the newspapers. Is what legal there? A lot of there? women are getting pimped out and trafficking there, I mean, to get the customers. Well, I unfortunately, mean, they- Sarah, there are in some county, I believe it's a county-by-county county decision, if not city. I don't I don't know. I don't live there, but I've, I, know, I, I do understand it is legal across many places. But uh, some places are, they don't allow it. And so in a, in a place where it would not be allowed, there's much more likelihood that pimps are operating. Because in any place where something is illegal, it still happens. It just happens illegally. It just happens underground. It happens in the black market. And that's where you get pimps. And that's where you get pimps who are sort of violent. notoriously violent and abusive. And, you know, they'll starve people or threaten them or threaten their families or whatever. But in the areas where it's legal, Sarah, then anybody who wants to can compete openly and they can offer better deals for these women to work for them and work with real protection, with like a real bodyguard working at the front door in case some John starts to get violent or whatever. There's all kinds of real solutions to the real problems that the black market has created for prostitution. You didn't know about any of that? She didn't know where Las Vegas well, I, is. I never- saw that aspect of it all i know is that i've been a young homeless woman and the pimps were coming after me and then when all these common areas that i would go they were they had scouts the recruiters always Mm -hmm. tracking me following me um always threatening me intimidating me following homeless girls on the alleys and raping them yeah that's scary that's really scary happened right i mean That That's is scary. My I, hey, listen, yeah. I was, I did not want to be a prostitute. I was not looking good, for a good pimp. for you. I'm not looking to, for a, a legal place to sell myself. I, 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 I just have to fine. be a young homeless woman. Yeah, no, okay, I understand that's the that. Part I'm, t- I'm talking about. Okay, if you're just a young homeless woman because you had issues, you have no right. I mean, the pimp should not be there at the courtyard in the yard harassing you, intimidating you at everywhere you go. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying, but the only way to stop it is to legalize prostitution. Otherwise, the pimps will always be there. They'll always be somewhere. They would leave you alone at that point because people would be coming to them. You know what? We have a different um, opinion. Yeah, you don't understand how markets work. You don't understand how freedom works. My whole point was that... You want to put put prostitutes in prison, don't you? Well, and that they do go to jail. Yeah, and does that I mean, help they them? They do go to jail. Does, does that, make that help their... them get out of their cycle of homelessness and you know meeting abusive people? Well, I mean, I, I mean that's that's the rules. I mean, and I and I'm okay with that. You're coming up. But with you didn't answer the question. This... Why well, can't you just answer a simple question? Bonnie asked you, "Does it help them to put them in jail? Does it make them 
uh, healthier? Does it make them better? Does it does it help them get out of their homelessness cycle? It does correct their behavior somewhat. I mean, it can't be like a continuous. uh, It's it's not a legal. Ridiculous! It's It's a a revolving door. These women go in, they come out, and they go back into the streets. They don't have a house anymore. If they had an apartment before, they probably lost that while they're out in jail. So now they need the pimps even more to give them a place to stay. Because you supported putting them in a prison cell, Sarah. Well, I you support, did this to them. Uh, having it, having a nice shelter where the pimps, the scoutings, and the recruiters are not loitering in oh, the yard. Oh, because they wouldn't possibly That's be outside of the shelter. Working on today. They couldn't possibly be outside of the shelter. And a woman couldn't possibly be a scout for a pimp. Well, I mean, that's, that's a possibility, but they're less aggressive. I mean, they're not intimidating. I mean, uh, they're less threatening. I mean, I mean, I mean. Sarah, I mean, you're I, on the ropes it, on it this one. Happen. I mean, it's just, it's really sad to hear somebody who purportedly care about young women or older women or whatever in this, in these vulnerable circumstances. And then on the other hand, but, say but, you think they should be put in a prison cell for do it for being prostitutes. No, it, but look, I, I called in today about that. They, why should they have to have always a mixed co-ed? All right, I know why you called. Uh, Thank you for the call tonight. I've heard enough. You're repeating yourself at this point. She doesn't want to have an actual conversation about this issue, and she obviously doesn't care about these uh, these women. She just purports to care about it. The reality is if you really cared about these people, you would advocate to legalize prostitution because whether it's illegal or not, it's going to happen. Right. I mean, they call it the oldest profession for a reason because it has been around for a very long time, for many, many generations. I mean, you're, you're sneering, Bonnie, but but I didn't uh, mean to. But I mean, you know, I mean, it's 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 not right for everybody. I'm not interested in that business as either a provider or a, or a client. Uh, but there are a lot of people that are, and and they should be free to you know have those experiences if if that's what they want to do. And and if they were legal then the experiences would be safer. There would be fewer sexually transmitted diseases being passed around. because You could get health insurance from your quote-unquote pimp, your boss, at that point. Yeah, or the madam or whoever it is that's running the uh, the whorehouse or whatever they call them. Whatever Brothels. The, brothel, that's the better word for it, yeah. So running the brothel, you've got actual security, you've got regular testing that they can do of the women that are working there or, or the men uh, that, that are working there. And having open market competition in the area of sex services makes those services safer. I mean, that's just a fact. You can ignore it if you want to. You can pretend like you can arrest your way out of this problem. But any cop that has worked on a vice squad, they know that the women just keep going back out. They keep going. It's what they know. It's their business, right? Like, that's what they know. And they know they can make money at it. You know, they know they're going to do better as a prostitute than going and getting a McDonald's job. So you know, that those incentives are not going to change for them just because you've made it illegal. In fact, what you're doing is you're actually bringing more money into the table in a lot of ways, because if it's illegal, you can charge more for it. The number is 603-283-6160. You can join the show here. You can bring up whatever is on your mind, whether you want to talk about the dollar possibly on the way down. Is it is its rain going to end? Also, Google getting involved in the artificial intelligence wars coming up
Talk Live. You can join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join us online. Just head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we have waiting for you. It's Ian and Bonnie here tonight. You can join us online anytime you want. Just head over to freetalklive.com. And uh, we get archives. They go back for quite a long time. We have our podcast feeds. You can join those over at feeds.freetalklive.com. Subscribe to them in your favorite podcast client and get the latest episodes of Free Talk Live anytime uh, that you want. Anytime they're released, they will come directly to you. Just go to feeds.freetalklive.com. Bonnie is showing me something here, but I'm not sure what it says. Sorry, a stupid thing popped up. Some sort of uh, show prep. What is it, Bonnie? What do you uh, What do you have there? Massachusetts prisoners may get shorter sentences for organ do- donations. Oh wow! Okay, you want to talk about that? Yeah, this is from the Guardian, and what I just said is the name of the article. Says prisoners in Massachusetts may soon have the option to get their sentences reduced in exchange for donating their organs or bone marrow. <laughs> Whoa! If a proposed wow. law is passed in the U.S. state. Okay, so they haven't passed it. I yet. mean, Commonwealth. Mm, right. <laughs> a new bill with the aim of establishing an organ and and donation. It just says and donation. Program within the state's Department of Corrections has been proposed by two state lawmakers, both Democrats. If it passes into the law, then the program shall now or shall allow eligible incarcerated individuals to gain not less than 60 and not more than imagine donating your organs and only getting 60 days. 60 off. days. Well, b- bone marrow is not as big of a deal. So but still. OK, not less than 60 and not more than 165 day reduction in the length of their committed sentence. So not even a half a year. 365. 100, 106, I thought you said 165. Oh, sorry, 365. 365. All right, well, a year off. Uh, <laughs> uh, it depends on the organ. <laughs> well, I mean, either way, you're still talking about surgery. Right. Right? Like, and anytime you have surgery, there's always a chance that it could go wrong and you could die. Right? So you're, you're, you're saying here, not only are you willing to donate an organ of yours in order to get out of prison sooner, but also you're literally risking dying for this hmm. right that's a good point and yeah. i don't know how high the risk of death for like bone marrow donations is because i'm pretty either. sure that you're like awake for that and stuff but really i think so okay what do they do just stick a needle into your bone Wait, maybe i'm thinking how of plasma I, c- I could just be thinking of yeah. plasma yeah i don't know how that works because that, sure that's out they... your blood hmm. um says along with the new program a committee would be established composed of five members responsible for overseeing the scheme the committee would also decide on eligibility standards for incarcerated individuals interested in the program and the amount of bone marrow and organs donated to earn one sentence be commuted. Wow. Uh, I I don't know. This this is sort of I'm kind of of two different minds on this one. On one hand, it's like, well, it's your body. You can certainly do with it what you want. If you want to donate parts, then you should be free to do that. I think the incentives here are a little twisted in that who's to say the state isn't going to just sentence it? Like if you can get a year off your sentence for donating whatever, whatever it is, bone marrow or organ or whatever, who are we to say that like the judges aren't going to take that under advisement 
And if they were to normally issue a three-year sentence to someone, issue them a four-year sentence and then be sure to hand them the bone marrow donation form on the way out the door so mm-hmm. they can whittle it down to three years. I just don't, you know, the, the state, of course, cannot be trusted to be decent or honest or you know, forthcoming on its the way it operates. So and there's like, there's coercion inherent in this whole thing because... It's one thing if you if you want to donate your organs, I uh, g- agree you have the right to do that. Yeah, you should. Anyone should be able to sell any of their organs they want to. But do you want to get out of out of jail? Then you have then you gotta donate some organs to get out of jail. That's you know there's coercion inherent there. It's not Definitely. just somebody who wants to donate their organs for no reason or for their own reasons now. Yeah, and how many? What? Yeah, right. What if they? It's like a six-month sentence or something like that. And a lot of people are afraid of jail, so they don't want to go to jail. They're not interested in that at all, and I don't blame them for it. But uh, you know, this the fear of jail. They may not be like an old school. Oh, I'm just going back to jail for six months. No big deal. <laughs> uh, there's some people that are institutionalized, and it doesn't matter to them at all. But for the average person who's facing up to a year, like a lot of uh, misdemeanors, you could face up to a year in jail. You don't go to prison for that. You just go to jail, and then you know that's it. But they may just say, "Hey, look, you got a six months jail sentence here," or. You can just give us your kidney or something like that, right? Oh my god, it sounds so bad. <laughs> and then and then we'll just waive the jail sentence. Uh I I think a lot of people would j- would jump at that opportunity. And I think that's kind of scary. I th- I just on one hand I like the fact that someone could reduce their sentence. On the other hand, I don't trust the state to be honest in how it it quote unquote does business in this case. It says, or in any case. Currently, the U.S. Federal Bureau of Prisons allows organ donations by inmates only if the recipient is a member of their immediate family. Huh, okay. But it's not to, to reduce not their sentence. Not to reduce sentences, your sentence, right. Just if their family needs it. Mm-hmm. But many state prisons, including those in Massachusetts, have no pathway to organ or bone marrow donation. As if that's like... I don't know. The way, the way that this article phrased that said, like, there's no pathway. Right now we need a pathway mm-hmm. for that. I don't see, see the need, but it says no state allows organ donation from executed prisoners, even if they were a registered organ donor. Huh. It's interesting. Yeah, that is weird. According to the United Network for Organ Sharing, there are currently 104,413 people in the U.S. waiting for an organ transplant, hmm. 58,970 of which are on an active waiting list. Judith Garcia, Democratic State Representative of Massachusetts' 11th District in Suffolk, said the co-sponsor of the bill, oh, and a co-sponsor of the bill, said the bill would restore bodily autonomy to incarcerated folks <laughs> by providing well, opportunity. Not really. I mean, it, it, it's partial bodily autonomy, but they certainly don't have the freedom to put what they what they want in their bodies. You right. Can't, can't order up some. Uh, they have the freedom to walk away. Medical from marijuana prison. or whatever in prison and put that in your body. I don't even really see that it restores much bodily autonomy at all. It's it's just are there prisoners that are like we want to donate organs. We want to. Oh, is that really going on? I mean, there maybe there's some. There's probably some. I mean, there may be some that are like on death row or something like that, and. Maybe they've decided they want to do something nice and donate their organs. And you know what know. else is really messed up is, uh, well, they just said that they don't do organ donations from 
death throw people. That's yeah, they did say that. But um, but this would change that. The thing that's really messed up about it is like, isn't it illegal for the according to the government for you to sell your in the United States? I think for you to sell your organs right now. But oh, it's not. It doesn't matter if it's instead of money, you're getting time off your sentence. That's a little weird. Is it illegal to sell organs? I think it is. Um, can you sell organs in the United States? The short answer is no, according to DonorAlliance.org. So, yeah, I was correct about that. Is it illegal to sell or buy human organs and tissues in the United States? But that is different than being able to donate them. So you can donate, you just can't sell them. Well, you can recognize incarcerated donors' decisions by reducing or offering reduced sentences. That's what this lady said is another good thing about her bill. Hmm. Jesse White, the policy director for the Prisoners Legal Services of Massachusetts, issued a statement to McClatchy News, which said that racial inequities were a serious problem for communities of color when it came to access to donated organs and marrow, but raised doubts about the proposed law as a way of solving the issue. Quote, we are concerned regarding the potential for coercion and impact of inadequate medical care in carceral settings. That's definitely a concern, and I'm glad they brought that up because mm. prisons and jails aren't known for giving the best medical care. Mm. And so it's probably the last place you want to be after you just lost a piece of your body to a donation because recovery still requires some level of medical care and they just they just don't care that much about you in uh, in prison like you need some help or whatever yeah maybe some guard's gonna come by eventually and maybe they'll do what you want them to do maybe they just won't do anything at all you know they'll just walk away and never return for hours Plus they feed you a bunch of crap yeah well there is that too He goes on, we believe the solution must target the underlying structural problems leading to health disparities, including ongoing needless incarceration of so many who could live freely and safely in our communities. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's a fact. If you could just end the war on drugs, if you could end the various different prohibitions that end up putting people uh, behind bars. But of course, I suspect those proposals aren't being made. I think that's it. If you want to join the show, the number here is 603-283-6160, and you can bring up whatever you want, whether you want to comment on donating organs, uh, this proposal to lower people's prison sentences in return or possible jail sentences uh, for those donations, you're certainly welcome to. I think Sarah called in about basically the same thing going on in New Mexico. What's up with this? It's weird. Sarah called in, maybe it was a Wednesday show and you weren't on. Did she? And said that, they're giving them, oh, this is what it was. It was sex offenders can get the option of getting time off their sentence if they agree to become chemically castrated. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. I do recall her calling about that. And it is a similar situation. It's like, mm-hmm. what's up with this? It's weird. Yeah. It's like the government is like, okay, nobody cares about bodily autonomy anymore. So we're just going to slowly sift in these other things we've wanted to do mm-hmm. because of the vaccines. Yeah, uh, like I said, it's uh, for me, it's mixed feelings on that one. I like, I understand and I appreciate the idea of let's give these people a way to get out of the prison system sooner. Okay, I like that aspect of it, but I just don't think that we can trust the government to be honorable in the way that they administer this program. And I also think that uh, I like the way that that guy, the white, the guy's last name was White, said that it doesn't, it just targets a symptom instead of the cause. Mm -hmm. That's true. Well, that's pretty typical of government. 
I mean, that's what Sarah was talking about, was targeting the symptom of, oh, well, I don't like that pimps are recruiting at the homeless center. Hmm. Well, here's your solution. You can end pro- prohibition. Oh, well, we can't do that. It's the rules. Yeah. Uh, all right. So in other news, according to Engadget.com, got a little bit of AI-related news here. Microsoft's Val-E. We've heard about Dolly, D-A-L-L-E. That is the artificial intelligence so-called art generator that or one of them there's and was multiple. that microsoft no actually microsoft was not involved that's with, funny because uh, with that when you first told me about this that it's called val e i wondered why they like copied the same name as dolly um it could be because of something called i think it's the uncanny valley that's like a, um i have to look up exactly what that is it's in reference to the region of negative emotional response toward robots that seem almost human. So it has to do with not quite there yet technology of trying to look human, trying to sound human, trying to be human. But it's like eerie to people. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm guessing that that's why they called this Val-E, V-A-L-L-E. According to Engadget, Microsoft's latest research in text-to-speech centers on a new AI model, Valley, while there are already multiple services that can create copies of your voice, they usually demand substantial input. So, for instance, uh, they could make one of our voices, no problem, because we're on the air every single night talking about a variety of different things. Someone could record that, can feed us into one of these voice systems, and could come out with, you know, on the other end, Something that sounds like us. That's what the trolls did with with that um, video of me that goes around and says, Ian likes young girls. That's what the trolls did. No, that you actually said that on the air. <laughs> uh, when we were, I think you were talking about K-pop at the time. I didn't mean it like that. And uh, no, that's that's they just took a clip in that case. I'm but, just kidding. I but they lying. could do that if they had access to one of these AI systems where they could just feed in as much audio of me or you or whatever as possible, and then they could type out what they want the system to say, and it would just say it. So we are already there. Like, we're we're to the point where technology exists, and I suspect it's fairly cheap at this point uh, that this can be done. And what Microsoft is doing is they are changing the... They're using AI now, I guess, in a way that's never been used before to simulate a voice of an actual human being from just a three-second sample of that person's voice. And that's the craziest part, because at first when you were telling me about this, I thought, that's not a big deal, that's been going on, that's been a thing. But I didn't catch the part that you said only three seconds of someone's voice? That's it. That doesn't even sound like enough. Like, how did they get every consonant and it's probably not perfect, but then again, we haven't heard the actual results, so it's hard to really, you know, judge. Um, How do they know based on three seconds... Of someone speaking, how they're going to say other things. It it's makes no sense. Yeah, it's an incredible. It's at least in the pitch here. It sounds amazing, but we have not actually heard it, so we can't say whether it sounds amazing. Uh, the speech can match the timber and the emotional tone of the original speaker, even the acoustics of a room. It could one day be used for customized or high-end text-to-speech applications, but like deepfakes, the risks 
uh, there are risks of misuse. Researchers trained Vali on 60,000 hours of English language speech from 7,000 plus speakers in Meta's Library Light Audio Library. The results aren't perfect. Some are tinny, machine-like samples, while others are surprisingly realistic. Wait, Meta has a library of people's voices? They do, apparently. Wonder where that came from. Maybe Facebook? Could be. Microsoft isn't making the code open source, of course, possibly due to the inherent risks. In the paper, the company says, quote, Since Vali could synthesize speech that maintains speaker identity, it may carry potential risks in misuse of the model, such as spoofing voice identification or impersonating. Now, even though they're trying to keep this stuff under wraps, and and the, you know, that's what they're doing in this whole AI industry is they're trying to keep this technology a secret as to how it works, trying to keep the code a secret and all that. And then maybe they will be successful at that. It's only a matter of time before someone else does this, before somehow this is replicated somewhere else. Microsoft is just first to market with this technology. It doesn't mean that someone else can't figure out how this was done how they can take three seconds of someone's voice and create an entire robot ability to say anything that that person whose three seconds of audio you got, you can just generate their voice now, according to this. And that's what they're, that's what they're doing here. So it's very scary stuff uh, because what it essentially is going to mean is nothing will be trustworthy in the future. You cannot know. You know if somebody plays you a clip of... Like says, Joe Biden came out and said there's martial law now. Yeah. Uh, well, is that a thing, or are you no, just making no. that up? Uh, yeah, I'm making right. it up. But right, I mean, that would be he'd be an easy one, right? Because even with the old systems where you need more than three seconds, you got plenty of Joe Biden talking, right. so you could easily make a fake Joe Biden. Uh, and and I, there's a big fun factor here as well. I mean, I don't want to just say it's just scary. You can, it'd be fun to make Joe Biden say whatever you want him to say. <laughs> but the downside to this is you can never really know. You you couldn't look at a, at an audio like right now. There's the problem with people just clipping audio. Where you can clip Joe Biden saying one thing, like one sentence, and then combine it with another sentence he said, just don't put the video track up. And then it sounds like Joe Biden said something he didn't actually say. Hmm. Um, which, again, I don't have a problem with people doing this to politicians. I think politicians deserve it. So, you know, whatever. Have fun with them. But it could have some real serious consequences in, you know, if somebody gets fired over something they allegedly said off the hmm. job, but they didn't actually say it. Somebody just somebody who doesn't like that person made it up. Call your they could call your boss and make the phone be listening to this thing. Sure. And tell, hey, I just called to tell you to f off. Could totally do that. Yeah. Yeah. Or I quit. You know. Oh, by the way, I like quit. That. Yeah. And uh, you can keep all my stuff in the desk. <laughs> and then the next morning they show up at work and their you know their access card has been turned off and their desk's been cleaned out or whatever and they're like what just happened to me and then you go in there and you tell the boss i didn't do it wait wait wait. i didn't call you what are you talking about well yeah you did you called me and told me you quit well no that wasn't me well it sounded like you f myself yeah it sounded like you here's the voicemail like well that's not me so how will you ever know, with this technology, how will you know what is real? Let's go to Joe in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, hi, Bonnie Parker. Hi, uh, Ian. Hi. Hey, Joe. What's on your mind? Hey. Now, I got this stuff off a video called Tesla Vision and Tesla Fans. And all of a sudden, I am a great fan of Elon Musk, even though I wasn't before. 
because he's uh, dissed uh, George Soros and uh, uh, Sergeant Burkholder, a.k.a. Uh, Klaus Schwab. Mm-hmm. So here's the meat of the situation. Senators Gerald Harmon, Lewis Kearns, and Fred Markin are under investigation from taking bribes from George Soros' PAC fund. Okay. And then with uh, Major Burkhalter uh, wanting us to uh, get that social economic governance, they were at the Seahawk Hotel, and they were having that uh, big dinner and big meeting and stuff like that. Now, this wasn't off uh, Tesla Vision or Tesla fans. This was another video that popped up that, I watched and I said, wow, this this is interesting. Well, that's the Seahawk Hotel, and these are the people from the WEF, World, the World Economic, Economic Forum. Forum, but they only deserve to be called the WEF because they don't deserve any type of uh, uh, credence. Okay. Uh, because uh, they're, they're there out there, and they're trying to tell us, well, we got to eat bugs. We have to uh, not eat meat uh, and everything like that and kill the cows, kill your animals and stuff like so, that. So hold on, just want to clarify what you're saying here. So okay. when did this happen, this meeting? Um, this was last week. Last week. I think. This was in the United yeah, States? The C- at the Seahawk Hotel in Switzerland. Switzer- oh. Switzerland. Okay, okay. And yes, and what did Tesla have to do with the, this meeting? I missed that part. Uh, well, Tesla was dissing uh, both uh, these enemies of... Uh, General Burkharder and uh, Soros. Oh, okay, but, okay. Yeah, so I I really like him now. Oh, okay, so I you're didn't. you're not saying Tesla was involved in the World Economic Forum? Oh no, no, no. But he disses him. I saw it on the video, and I don't think the computer, uh, you know, generated that image. He was dissing both the nitwits. Hmm. Well, here's here's what they did to Seahawk Hotel. Now they're telling us, you know, we have to, you know. Uh, cut back on your this and cut back on your that and you can't eat meat and you got to be our serfs mm-hmm. and things like that. Well, this is what they're doing. They're eating steak and lobster. Oh, yeah. They're at a high-class hotel and there was an interview and I don't know what video that was that I heard, but with a prostitute there, she charges $2,000 for two hours and has to be a minimum of two hours servicing those fine, outstanding gentlemen <laughs> Who want to govern us? Yeah, but they'll put you in jail, yeah. or they'll advocate putting you in jail if you try to use a prostitute. Sure, that's because there's two exactly. sets of rules. And I don't there's... have anything against prostitutes, because Mary Magdalene was a prostitute in the Bible, and uh, she was a friend of Christ. There's two sets of so, rules, uh, Joe. There's these, a set of rules for the rest bags. of us, and there's a set of rules for them, right? Right, exactly. That's the point I'm trying to make. These scumbags, there's a set of rules for scumbags, and a set of rules for decent people. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're they're hypocrites, they're liars, and the people have to wake up. And, and I am going to move up there to Keene. I'm, well, I'm converted, and I and I was a patriot, but and a constitutionalist. Not anymore because it's so broken, it can't be fixed. I agree. There's just no way you can fix Washington D.C. I mean, it's going to have to come crashing down, and it will. 
at some point because every empire fails eventually. And they this don't play is by their empire. own rules, so it doesn't really matter what the Constitution says. Yeah, this is an empire. And thank you, Joe, for the call tonight. I do appreciate God hearing from you. you. All, and everybody's always in my prayers. Remember that. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Uh, and thank you for the call tonight. He's referring to migrating to New Hampshire. I mean, Keene's a nice place. I don't know if it's the right place for everyone, but it is definitely a, you know, it's a place. <laughs> New Hampshire's got a lot of different places uh, to which you can, uh, you can make the move. Anyway, uh, out of time for tonight. We will be back tomorrow. You can join us online in the meantime over at freetalklive.com. And don't forget, you can help us support the show at amps.freetalklive.com. See you tomorrow. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today.